Hello and welcome to the Dynamite Eddie Fitpa Special. We're coming to you here for Ravens Craig Stadium after Cathkin Park last year, which was a derelict Hamden. We've got an arc in a historic stadium for you. This was the first place where the Scottish women's international team played for. So there we go. Next year we'll be at Hamden. Um, <laughs> the voice you're hearing just now is myself, Mick Clockerty. Joining me on the panel today, we have our uh, loan signing, our star loan signing, back for another kick of the ball. We've got Johnny Branchfield. Aye, I'm only here because I'm injured and trying to play a real game. <laughs> you know him, you love him, Mr Andy Mack. you And Greenock's favourite programmer, as he's often touted on here, you've got Mr Mick McCormick. How's it going? Now, we are actually watching a game of it, but although it's half-time at the minute, we're here covering, this is a bit of journalism for you, it's uh, Greenock Juniors versus St Ants, one each at half-time. It's been a pretty entertaining first half, riveting, I've thought. Riveting performance. I mean, no, it's actually been alright. Greenock have been, they're, they're trying to play football, <laughs> uh, they're just not that good at it, but somehow it's one each, so hopefully the second half they'll come out and smash it. A couple of standouts for St Ants, man, especially their big central midfielder. Number eight for the Ants looks good. Mick uh, McCormick said uh, he has a nice arse, I would think that. <laughs> Is he the big arse? <laughs> Do you know what, it's big and it's nice. Um, <laughs> and we are enjoying the fact that you've, you know, get your puritanical standards of the, the upper leagues, you can have a can of beer and a vape here so if you nice, want. Mind you. I've um, just never a pie, right, <laughs> One fifty. fucking brilliant. He's a pie rating. Nearly burnt my mouth in a bit, it. brilliant, I had a boat and all that, that kind of... Smoky teams out, kind of steamy thing, man. It was great. So it was a wee bit of brown sauce as well. Numerical score, please. Right, pie rates seven, of the seven out of ten, man. <laughs> seven out of ten. You've even got a pie rating. As a producer, I admire your strength in not eating the pie while we're recording this intro. Thanks very much. <laughs> Better than he usually does at home. He's like, oh, two seconds, boys. I need to grab a Chinese and then you edit in chow mein out the next <laughs> fucking <laughs> twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to record the episode proper after the second half. We're going to go to a secondary location. <laughs> But for now, we've just thought we'd give you a bit of the ambience at a Ravens Craig Stadium. And I want predictions for the second half. How's this game finishing? Um, I mean, as much as I'd like to win as a home team, I think it's going to finish 3 1 to the hoops uh, off St Ants. Oh, no, I, I can see why you say that, but I think it's going to be a draw. I think Junior's are doing enough defensively, man. Maybe a wee ball over the top, could even win it, nick a goal, maybe. I think they're feeling too confident in Greenock earlier, but even though they haven't improved as the match went on, so I think it's in this game. Do you know what? I think I'm, I'm with Johnny here. I think the ants have just looked that wee bit more threatening. Uh, I'll say 2 1 ants. Aye, I guess we'll, we'll catch you after the match. Cheers. Bye. You've got a secret bonus point. Right, so, does anybody remember the score? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, listener, the reason I'm asking is because the intro you just heard was recorded three weeks ago after the thrilling display that we saw at Ravens Craig Park. We went down to the Darrock Park to record the episode, which got destroyed due to like wind and general drunkenness. <laughs> Aye, that's the best way to describe <laughs> the, it the weather was too loud on it and also by the end of it we were like raving fucking nonsense like at one point we were all chanting in that uh, maybe you'll get it in our lost episode one day two people fell down a hill nah, there was hill shenanigans was, uh... a dog came over the owner wasn't happy I mean, to be fair, I still want the chant to come back, so I'm going to try and get Corky to sing that same song. Oh, he's got it. I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> it was the extra game. Like, because we, the first round of games was actually all right, 
But by the time we got to our second games, man, we're all up. All the in. second half, just the performance took a nosedive. It's a game or two half. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did promise a wee bit of match analysis for Greenock Juniors versus St. Ants. I feel like it was about a million years ago. We were also talking about like the women's Euros or something. It feels as if it was like last year, but it was three weeks ago. Aye. Aye, let's let's just skip past the women's Euros. That never happened. Aye, that's, that's too long. Aye, aye, hardly well, relevant. We're, we're right into real fit. That's a good bit of gaslighting there, Johnny. Fuck him. We're into some. We're into a good bit of fit. I know we've had the Champions League draw today. <laughs> we're fucking. We're getting World Cup in the corner. No, we're right into a season now, man. Fitba fans are fickle beasts. We 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 live week to week. Any games that were two or three weeks ago, unless it was for your own team, it doesn't matter. Well, we did see a rare, well, what I think is rare based on their other recent results, victory for Greenock Juniors. But I dare say it was down to a wee bit of fucking divine intervention as well. It was entirely undeserved. <laughs> it was really jammy. St. Ant's had like a goal they should have got. The ref never saw it. That disallowed goal actually made it. But Aye. The whole tune, it's a top of tune for a while. I was sitting watching the Auntie Joshua fight with my pal Sean, who. Normally know nothing about junior football, any fucking like that. We were sitting talking about Greenock Juniors and he says, ah, I seen that goal, man, that was well over the fucking line. It was like, it made the, it made the, the local zeitgeist <laughs> here, man. But it was over the fucking line. That was over the line, man. Juniors fucking get away with that one, big time. The full game has been uploaded to YouTube. Um, you can maybe go and look for these kind of key moments. Another entertaining thing that happened was that Juniors got a guy sent off for dissent. <laughs> I've watched on YouTube and try to work out what it is that he actually said. It was fucking bizarre. Did you, did you find out any lip reading? No. Fuck something. Fucking cunt prick or something like that. And, uh, he went in for fucking quite a hearty challenge. The ref Gela carded him and then he put his horn up and said something and the ref just went for a fucking straight rid. The boy <laughs> for Greenock Juniors like ripped his tap off and fucking charged off the park. Right. He booted a cone in that, remember? That's right. He couldn't <laughs> have been waiting for that moment for the whole game. The thing was, after he came off, Junior's fucking were a different team. Man, they were, it was, they were up for it, Mayor. Well, Ants should have had a goal started. before that. And then Greenock fucking went up the part and scored like, immediately after they didn't get that fucking goal given. And then fucking St. Ants came back and made it fucking three. Oh, fuck. No, did Greenock get a penalty or no? Aye. Yep. Aye, aye, the third goal was a penalty <laughs> to make it 3-1 and then St Ant scored kind of right at the end to make it 3-2 and a, a wee squeaky bomb time finish but um, aye, it was it was a comfortable victory while playing absolutely atrocious <laughs> football. St Ant's were really gutted, man. They were right up for that game and they were just weren't happy, man. As we were leaving uh, Ravens Craig Stadium as well, we walked past the Greenock Juniors dressing room and they had a bit of fucking, was it Calvin Harris or something playing? So obviously like they, were, they were enjoying their moment. Now. But they get pumped fucking, what was it, 4 nothing off a fourth division side on Friday night there or something? I, I took my, my four-year-old to his first ever football game and it, <laughs> he had the misfortune of having to watch fucking Greenock Juniors versus... Three something like that. Fourth division jobbers, I was calling them. This is going to be no bother. Fucking juniors never touched the ball, man. And it was a fucking, what do you call it? A floodlight failure and everything. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is just fucking there, there you bizarre, go. man. 
<laughs> Get yourself to Ravens, Craig. If floodlights don't work and the home team cheats. Um, oh, but yeah, the pies are good. Last time Andy, Andy gave the pie a wee rating in that. Can you remember your, your pie rating? I can, I Well, obviously when you go to a football ground, you can either get ripped off or sometimes the price is spot on. But I wasn't even expecting any catering at Ravens, Craig, to be honest. But there's a, there's a wee windy and a wee guy. Packets of crisps, juice, iron, brew, fucking pies. I tell you what, man. Pie was fucking spot on, well cooked, um, not soggy at all. The brown sauce was that kind of cheap stuff that's fucking like vinegar, really nice. And I Aye. think it was only like £1.20 or something. Or no, it was up cheap on that. Do we have any insider info? Do we know if it was an Olds pie? Can we confirm that? Nah, I think it was probably a McCaskies or something like that. Like, right. It's the juniors we're talking about, isn't it? Of course. Aye, what was I thinking? Um <laughs> 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 right, well, I, I mean, I guess that's. I think that will's dry. I, I mean, as I say, we're struggling to remember a game for three weeks ago. That I'll hold my hands up and say I did consume four cans of lager during. So I think that's about it for post-match analysis for me. Does anybody else want to add anything about Greenock Juniors versus St Ants? I just remember that that player for St Ants, sizable horse. Aye. He was beautiful, man. You did mention his arse a fair few times <laughs> even in the last podcast. Um, you, I get you, it. I get it though. He was the best player on the pitch as well. By a, he was by, by a massive distance. Oh, num- number was, nine for Ants. Too good for that level. Was a five, number five centre mid. He was everywhere, man. He's box to box. That's the thing with the fucking West of Scotland league, or like your tier six and below, and that some of these guys are like. Probably at one point were a ball hair away from professionals or were playing professional and get released for whatever reason and you can get wildly different fucking like quality of players in the one team. He was like if Yaya Toure had a win with Marvin Andrews <laughs> <laughs> That's who he reminded me of. It was good. It was good. And that's probably a bit of level he was somewhere in between Yaya Toure and Marvin Andrews. <laughs> probably more so towards the Marvin special. Andrews side because he, he was playing for St Anthony's <laughs> after all, but um Sometimes it's just luck. Well, there you go. That'll do us for our post-match analysis. Um, hope you all enjoyed that coverage of an old West of Scotland second division game that is going to be even less relevant by the time a podcast comes out. Now, we'll get into our games for the day then, as this is the FIPA special. Andy, can you tell us a wee bit about why you picked Virtua Striker 2? And then... Tell us how you got on with playing Virtua Striker 2 for the FIPA special. Absolutely. Right, as you know, I'm a big kind of Sega fan. That includes the arcade kind of side of Sega. The like, AM2, Naomi boards and all that. And Virtua Striker was a you know, franchise that was released um, in the arcades that was, I suppose, um, a bit different the other arcade machine developers and that it was a, a FIPA game. You didn't really get a FIPA game in arcades. Um, never mind a 3D FIPA game. So um, it was always alluring when you walked in and you seen a Virtua Striker machine because it was like, oh man, this is quality, there's a FIPA game here. And you could obviously play your pals, two players and all that. And it had like the, the big Sega kind of um, ID slapped on it, like bright skies and that. And noises and all that. And it just it just screamed Sega um, Arcade and I thought to myself, right, I've got to pick a FIPA game here and I was going to pick something like Red Card or something like that but I thought to myself, when am I going to get the opportunity to do like a, a, a Sega FIPA game again? 
Probably never. So well, I ne- for ne- next year, too. given that we do an annual football special. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, so I thought I'd, uh, I thought I'd go for this one, and obviously it had a cracking wee Dreamcast version as well, which was arcade perfect. A time where can I Sega were putting out pure arcade baddies, one by one ports of their arcade machines, man, onto like home console, and this was like right in the right in the midst of that. We've talked about this before, where the Dreamcast was really probably a first time where the the thing you got in the arcade was the same thing you were getting in your console. It had been promised a lot. The Mega Drive ports were good in that, but they weren't like for like. Whereas you look at like Soul Calibur or something, and it was the same. That's where it started getting. Um, it's the kind of started on the Sega Saturn, where you had games like one I'm going to bring on to Neddy, by the way, Die Hard Arcade, you know that. Dynamite Cop, Aye. Um, but it was a shooting game called Virtua Cop. Oh, he's kind of um, like for likes arcade versions. Because as you said, on the Mega Drive, you had like, the arcade uh, games, but the Mega Drive versions were always like, kind of what are doing versions. They always try to maintain the speed and gameplay over like, the style and um, design. By the time the Dreamcast came when you were playing the arcade version at home, I so so it did actually stack up. It looked the exact same as the the arcade version because I mean I didn't have a Dreamcast, but I just always remembered any time I'd play a Dreamcast game, it would maybe be a wee bit more polished and colourful than what it would have been on the arcade, or was it literally lift and shift right onto onto Dreamcast? I so you at most you would have maybe eh, a wee bit of difference in the frame rate. Or else you would have like the textures having a wee bit less fidelity than the arcade machine. But I mean, that's only if you've got a fucking Sherlock Holmes fucking magnifying glass out, you know what I mean? But in terms of that game, the game just played exactly like the arcade version, to be honest with you. Unless you were heavy looking for differences. But you, you were playing Virtua Striker 2 that you would play in the arcade, aye. What's the kind of playing experience of Virtua Striker 2 You've got a mail On your kind of Arcade Versus Simulation When you're talking about A Fitba game This is basically All the way In an arcade And no much Of a simulation at all That's right Well The first thing you notice When you play When you look at this game You notice that I'm I'm a big Fitba game fan Like Johnny I know that He's a bit like myself like A purist man We like We're ISS And we're Pro Evolution And even like in recent years, FIFA, where it's like a pure simulation of the beautiful game. The pros of those games are that you feel like you're playing football, like things that would happen in real life happen on a pitch. You've got to throw everybody out of the window when you're playing Virtual Striker because it just doesn't play like that. It's mere sort of like every pass is a lottery, every tackle doesn't have to be perfectly timed. Animations have got like a sequence they've got to complete before. Like an action can be done, like passing or shooting. The game um, is built so that you can shoot for anywhere and you're possibly going to score. The game is very heavily reliant on like just having these fantastic 40-yard shots that you can kind of control with a, like a, a bar that goes up and down, kind of like a golf game. There's no real kind of nuance on like player movement. Is this possibly by design? Because if you put a quid in, say, or 50p, or whatever a game of Virtua Striker costs you, you got to play one half, right? If you were playing against your pal or whatever, it was just one half a fitba, and then it went straight to penalties if it was a draw. I see, you want it to be action packed as possible. Like You want to just condense that fitba experience down into the most exciting Yeah, bits. you got like five minutes. Uh, you, the goals have got to come from somewhere. There was some arcade games, like for fitba ones, whether it was Virtua 
striker or something else, but I remember when I was a wee guy, and the most infuriating thing is it, it, it game over to you when it was a draw. Like, you never went to penalties or golden goal or anything, just went, game over, you didn't win. And I'm like, aye, but I didn't lose. Like, <laughs> how, how can you just say I'm beaten? So, aye. I, I it's just once you put in another coin to, to decide it in the next match. Well, it is, aye. That's, you, know, you know what the arcade games are like, they're just big uh, coin munchers and they, they want all your money. So, aye. Um, definitely the FIPA games were very much like that and they, they were giving you a half or they were uh, only giving you a kind of demo mode and you were only getting the full game uh, unless you kept paying, paying the, the man. I would say that of all the virtual games, they are all quite arcadey, um, not kind of accurate simulations, apart from Virtua Cop, because um, the, the body count that you rack up in that game is pretty comparable to nah, some real life. Virtua Cop is fucking pretty brave. The real life cops in America are shite bags. <laughs> Aye, so I have a question for the resident Sega slash Sonic Heed in the room. Okay. This is your time to shine. Were you playing this in the Dreamcast, did you say? Aye, so I was playing this on Redream, which was a Dreamcast emulator. Aye. So the Virtua games were also on other consoles as well, I believe. They were on some of the Nintendo consoles, or they ended up on the Nintendo consoles because Sega bowed it. Yeah. So what was... You can get a point for each of them. What was the first <laughs> three games that Sonic appeared on uh, a Nintendo system as opposed to being exclusive to Sega? Right, right, OK. Um well, I know he was in this one. I know he was in this one. I don't know if he was in Virtual Striker 3. I'd imagine that uh, Sonic Advance might be one, and then Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. That's my guess, but I might be wrong. Virtual Striker 3. He was in Smash Bros as well. Uh, can't mind which one. That was much not better, the first of the three. The first three um, were... Exactly what Andy said. Sonic Adventure <laughs> 2 Battle on a GameCube, Sonic Advance for the GBA, and then Virtua Striker 3, which is also why I figured that he'd picked this game. You absolute loser, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> what system was that then? And that with Virtua 3 would have just been. That's on. a GameCube and all, I think. Game, GameCube, I think. That's, oh, that's the Virtua Striker I played. I think it was, it was all international teams. Is. Uh, two is all internationals as well, is that right? Ah, that's right. There's no club teams, there's no nuance in these games. You just pick a flag and you get like, uh, a corresponding colour of player that goes with that flag. There's no that nuance. If you go so Scotland, there's a lot of, kind of mini-games that I'm, I'm, I'm right in thinking it's like kind of all your set pieces are kind of like a, a, a mini-game where you've got to stop a bar or something along those lines. Is that kind of how it plays out? Uh, you could look at it like that. You could look at it having like three sections for offence and three sections for defence. Like, you can't expect any manual passing. Like, you can't expect any shoulder tackles or you can't expect any timed tackles. Basically, you've, you're close proximity to somebody. If you press a button, there'll be like a two-second animation. And it's meant to do with like your... Uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't really work it out, but it's meant to do like... You're pressing the button within a set kind of short amount of time, a kind of a, a quick time event or something like that, rather than like holding the button down, like trying to like maneuver in. It'd be more like a quick time event, like press B now, and then you might have a chance of tackling them. The same way of shooting, if you're shooting, you could shoot for like 35 yards out, as I was saying. As long as you get the space on the bar right, that's right for that distance, then you'll score. But the most kind of annoying, well, I say annoying, 
looking at it from an arcade point of view, it probably isn't it, but the, the animations were, you had to sit and like, wait for the animation to finish before you could do it. And the fact that you, when you passed the ball, there was no rhyme or reason where the ball was going to go. Just up your lottery, man, if it's going to go to one of your players or one of the other players. And the camera is fucking shocking, dude. I mean, an arcade game that, like, doesn't require you, you know, anything about Fitba, and it's all just, like, fun minigames, sounds right up my street, to be honest. Aye. And just get long, un- unskippable cutscenes like Final Fantasy VII or something. Here's, here's a, a <laughs> marker like of that. how you don't need to know about Fitba in order to win at Virtua Striker 2. So my wee brother, Aero, frequent guest and friend of the podcast, for his 30th, we took him out to that Super Barrio, and I believe it's Virtua Striker 2 they had there. They've got a Virtua Striker. Aye, it is the same one, aye. He kept playing as Saudi Arabia and fucking beat everybody there, and he hates Fitba. <laughs> he kept grinding out a draw, and then it would automatically go to penalties, and then he won every fucking penalty shootout because he worked out how to do the fucking penalty game the best. Aye, yep. The penalties are probably my favourite bit about us. There's actually a... A game option where you can just go straight to penalties. Penalties are actually pretty good. That's one thing that FIFA and Pez I find that can be a bit of hit and miss on. Penalties. These ones are quite fun because you're basically just picking a direction and you're holding down the button until you decide to let well the bar goes up and down itself obviously and then you press when you want to stop it. It's like a golf game nearly, you know? Quite fun. And if you're the keeper obviously you just pick a direction. You pick the right direction, it doesn't matter how good the striker is or how good the keeper is, if you pick the right direction, you'll save it. There's no nuance, man. It's arcade as fuck. Is this a good play for you? Did you find yourself getting frustrated that it wasn't as clinical, maybe, as something fit by games that you enjoy more? Did you find you could like it for what it was? Or what were your kind of feelings? Did you spend a lot of time with it? Or did you have a couple of games and then kind of think, well, I've, I've sussed this, so I, I know what it is, but I don't feel myself wanting to play Mary yet? Because it looks like a fit by game, right? And it, it, it kind of tricks you into thinking this is going to play like a sim. But it doesn't it? Don't get me wrong, I enjoy like, all the vibrant, vibrant colours and all that. It's a FIFA game that's really like, cartoony in nature. Quite good. Even the the stadiums are pretty fun. There's like, one that looks as if it's like, in the Faroe Islands, or that, one, that stadium in Toftier, where it's like, in the middle of the hills. Um, I think that's pretty cool, and it's just got like, one wee bit Aye, of I like all that stuff. But um, the, even the way the players move, it's like they're galloping, kind of like galloping, like slow horses rather than running. <laughs> And they're all the same speed. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, messes my brain a bit, man, because I can see the pitch, I can see the ball. Oh, another thing to I remember is the ball, it's not an independent ball. The ball fucking sticks to the circle around the player, which is a killer for me. For the games, nee, nee ball control. Oh, man, oh, the, ball's, the ball's not, it's an independent object. The ball is like Velcro, it wants to go and be attracted and stick to something. That makes any sense. It's like it's not like that. Aye. The ball physics are push. Playing this on the Dreamcast, like, does the Dreamcast add in uh, on top of the arcade experience? It makes it worth the, your money. Like, is there a, a career mode or it's... you know extra teams, extra levels or anything, or is it just like pretty much the same as you get if you if you're just it's just free play on the arcade? There's a variance mode on uh, the console version. Basically, you get World Cup, obviously it's called International Cup or something like that. Then you get arcade play, and you get plenty of kicks, and then you get like, a variance mode. I had a look at the variance mode, and it seems to be just like, an exhibition 
game. So it, it's I think I think the quirk of that mode is that it's the only mode where it lets you choose who you're playing. You know how an arcade game always picks the the well if it's a one player arcade game it'll pick the body for you. It'll pick the team for you, and I think in a southern mode, it lets you pick the team you want to play. I mean, that doesn't sound great, but I suppose it's something different, isn't it? <laughs> if you're if you're talking World Cup, I've just got one final question: Do you get to play the full qualifier? No, no, man. The format is like fucking. There's no group stage or nothing. You get right in at the last sixteen, sure, and it's like four games. You get sixteen, ah. eight, semi-final, and final. Nah, nah, you're not getting any sort of any thought of that put into it. Um, it's, it's, it no, it is. It's a Fitba game in the arcade. Somebody's thought Fitba is huge, man, um, in Europe. So why the fuck don't we put Fitba arcade machines in arcades? And they went, fucking, what an idea, man. But um, as far as like, game modes and ideas about qualification, groups, and all that, nah, nah. So what you're saying is, no perfect, but take a wee bump of cat, enjoy some of the slow galloping horsemen, you might have a good time with it. <laughs> I get to Barrio, get a few fucking, what's it called, tonic hedgehogs, whatever their cocktails are, I create a few quirky named cocktails in there, get a few in, don't you? Guaranteed, man, it's only a matter of time before two years approach fucking virtual striker machine. Fair play, it's a, it's a good laugh, I suppose, but... And I just find myself wanting to play FIFA when I play it <laughs> as soon as possible to cleanse the palate. Fair enough, you you got to know what you like in that, I guess. <laughs> and I think a lot, I think a lot of it's today with the fact that it's controlled with a stick. Aye. I, it's, not many FIFA games are controlled with a stick, man. Um, so when you're trying to play it with a D-pad or a, a, a analog, does not compute. Yeah. Aye. Bit counterintuitive. Right, well, that brings us on to McCormick and his first game for uh, the Fitba special offering, which I believe, you can fact check me here, is called Go, Go, Beckham, Adventure on Soccer Island. (laughs) Aye, you've got to pronounce the exclamation marks, that's really important. Aye, what, what, what led you to picking this and what was your playing experience like? So continuing the theme for... Last year I've picked two kind of non-standard football choices because I'm terrible at football games and I don't like them very much and I don't feel like I'd be giving them a fair shake. So this one is a, a FIPA-based, a delightful FIPA-based platformer on the Game Boy Advance. So I think I was kind of sold a bill of goods when I was recommended this game because what I thought it was going to be was like, kind of like when we were playing the um, Captain Tsubasa last year, it was like, oh, this is kind of like... Fitba through like a Japanese game developer's lens, or oh, like oh they've they've turned it into like a, a funny platformer. It's like their idea of what Beckham is and all that. But uh, it turns out I was completely wrong because it's made by a, a Scottish developer, um, called Denki. Um, I just assumed Denki was Japanese, but um, no, they're from they're from Dundee. So not only are they doing cultural appropriation by stealing like Japanese artwork, but they're fucking soup takers because they're Scottish and they made a game about fucking Beckham, <laughs> an English footballer, <laughs> scum. That's brutal, man. Do you see it that way? What Scottish football player would they have made a game about of that era, really? Derek Riordan? Like, 100. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they are fucking horror game starring fucking Craig Burley. Nightmare Creatures. He was a nightmare creature. <laughs> <laughs> Evie Crawford. <laughs> 
Aye. I mean, it was a savvy marketing move. I was trying to research whether or not these guys actually like had image rights to, to use like David Beckham's likeness or whatever, because the team, like they made a lot of licensed games. Um, after this, they went on to make those games that were kind of like built into your telly, like built into your skybox. Isn't that? Aye. The games with titles such as Carol Vorderman's Mind Aerobics, <laughs> um, which is pretty, pretty incredible. But... Although it's called Go Go Beckham, right? He never gets called David Beckham. He doesn't wear a Man U strip. Um, he doesn't particularly look like David Beckham. He just kind of looks like a generic platform character. So I don't know if they've maybe just been fly here and like. He wears like a red shirt with like a yellow circle where the badge would be. It's the most like generic thing you could make while still trying to look like a Man U tap, maybe. Like. <laughs> Aye, yeah, I feel like they've maybe been a bit fly here. Beckham was on every piece of old tat back in the early 2000s, wasn't it? If you put Beckham on a St George's flag, man, you could sell it for £5 extra, you know what I mean? It was everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wonder if the the lawyer could have have possibly advised him going, look, like, if David Beckham takes you to court here, he's not got a leg to stand on. (laughs) It's like, you know, we've, we've carefully um, kind of sidestepped all that. There's no um, no posh space. Sadly, I thought she was going to be like the Princess Peach sort of character. And they do, <laughs> just, and they do not sing the Philip Carney song. I'm waiting on the wings. I'm waiting on the wings, man. <laughs> but aye, so what this game is is, is a very kind of cute platformer. It, it looks much like um, Super Mario World or something. It's got similar kind of art style, similar backgrounds, and a. Begum's kind of cutting about this fantasy world. Um, he's trying to defeat a villain called Mr. Woe and his three evil managers, or four, four, sorry, um, who take place as the bosses in order to free Soccer Island for tyranny, I guess. Um, Did you say Mr. Woe? Like, like sadness? Yeah, yeah, Mr. Woe. Ah, uh, yeah. It comes, it comes for Govan and he throws football boots at you. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a big red face he's, he's actually just a depressed character he's clinically depressed he's hassling David Beckham or Mr Beckham Aye, he's character. just just taking all that negativity on him it's a kind of psychological sort of drama really Shane that, they actually missed a, a trick with that man like one of the bosses kick, could kick a shoe at you <laughs> I know but this is the other licensing thing like I think they were flying a bit too close to the sun by just having Beckham they couldn't have Ferguson in there as well but <laughs> far. the thing that differentiates this for, for other platformers is that um, everything revolves around this Fitba um, that you've got you, you can only attack villains with a Fitba you can only collect power ups with it and you've got to kind of get it into like these kind of lock items throughout the level and then finally get it into the goal at the end of the level to complete things it's quite a fun wee mechanic, just that the ball kind of bounces along nicely, sticks to your feet, which I know Andy doesn't like, but it makes sense in the context of this game. It sticks to your feet most of the time, but you can use a kind of variety of moves to kind of kick it about, kick it at enemies, kick it around, and it's just quite quite fun to handle, which is, the I guess, the, the kind of main sort of draw of playing this. It's just quite fun to move You've around. You've got to use the ball to pick up, like, this game's kind of doodads, is that right? I, I played a wee shot of it, like, to get, like, the coins or whatever that's in a level, you need to kick the ball at them. Aye, you basically can't do it in yourself. It's the ball that does all that. But various combinations are, like, up and down and left and the, the B button does various moves so you can kind of kick it up the way and kind of do a lob. Normal is just a kind of a short chip where you can kick it down across the ground which is good for taking out enemies because it kind of follows the path the platforms underneath you. 
And then as you go through the game, you can actually unlock some extra moves. So there's a kind of wee sort of heater. He does a wee kind of bouncing the ball off his seed, which I don't think is like any gameplay value, but it's just quite fun today. Later in the game, you can even bend it like Beckham, which I was quite amused by. Um, you can kind of do a bit of aftertouch on the ball. Um, we kick it vertically. Erase lesbian themes from a popular British comedy romance movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I would have played that game, kind of visual novel sort of thing. Well, I, I fucking did. <laughs> I, I did, did mate. A bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> I did play it as well a wee bit. Um, not too much, but I, I do like a platformer. Um, I think I said it to you before, but I found that the fact that you had to do stuff with a ball and do these wee kind of obstacles and stuff kind of took away some of the pace from a, your standard platformer, which is maybe why it wasn't that successful and it was a terrible idea for a game. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a wee bit it's a wee bit slower. You can't really kind of fire through the levels in the way that you would a, a Mario or a Sonic because you've got to look after the ball and also because you've got to complete these objectives with it before we get to the end. Having to backtrack for the ball is a drag. Well, it turns out, actually, if you get to a certain level, there's a button you can press uh, to recall it right to your feet. Oh, what a kick, a kick master. I think that's at the start. Uh, that's at the start. <laughs> yeah, are those Ryan Giggs uh, glasses? So. Super injunction. There's from... a different reason Ryan Giggs wears sunglasses now. <laughs> Did any of you see, see his poetry? Oh, it was fucking oh, amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. amazing. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Uh, I mean, some of the biggest kind of wordsmiths in all of history have came through Wales, and we can safely say Ryan Giggs is not one of those. Was it, was, I don't know if, I, if this was in the poem or if this was one of his separate text messages, but um, it was something like, I love you more than my number of Premier League appearances, brackets, which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love Thomas eat your heart out, man. I can I take Johnny's point that it's, it's yeah, it's maybe not like that super enjoyable as a kind of straight up platformer, but I did I think it was quite well done. Like I, I quite enjoyed the handling of the, of the thing. For some reason, like you could kinda it was well designed in that even though like you, you're kinda kicking a bar and it's got physics and things like that, it's I never seemed to lose it. Like the bar never get ever get stuck anywhere or like it never ended up anywhere that I couldn't get to. So it was kinda quite clear how they kinda like managed to sidestep that problem it's not really got a lot of your um, well any as far as I could tell are like bottomless pits or kind of spikes or like any of the things that would kind of that would kill you in that sense so you're not like kind of doing challenging platforming the main challenges come for the baddies what what are the baddies? they're just like we kind of blob monsters aye Mr. Woe's minions I guess they've all got names like kind of winger and goalie and all kind of fit by themed names and they're either chasing after you or the ball and yeah various different movement patterns and stuff like that again you kind of hurt them yourself but you can hurt them with the ball you kick the ball at them into their weak spot and then that kind of dazes them um, and then you you do another another kick and that kills them it's always a kind of one two you've got to do on them to not can i ask you something about what i think might be happening in this game on a, a metaphorical level maybe a spiritual level Right, go So for it. you've got these blobs like Kicker and Winger and things like that, right? Going by the names, do they play Fitpa? Are you colonising this island with David Beckham's image rights and saying, oh, see, see your local <laughs> team, don't even bother with them. Watch Man U, here's Beckham, buy the jersey, buy a fucking Sky Sports package. 
I mean, I was kind of wondering if like, maybe David Beckham's got some demons of his own and he was like, he was he was turning the other players on the field like, in his mind and the monsters that he had to kill. And he was actually going on a kind of horrible rampage through Manchester. <laughs> He'd finally broke um, and he just went on a kind of murderous killing spree. I, I don't think it would be outside of the realms of possibility for David Beckham's perspective to just look like a cartoon world because it was really famous <laughs> for his brains. He <laughs> was hey. really the brightest part, wasn't he? He, d- he does sound like a cartoon <laughs> as well. <laughs> 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 voice, to be fair, man, like David Beckham, right? Hi, but oh, an English prick, but um, sorry, I kind of say that, can I? But um, <laughs> it's some fucking right peg on him, didn't he? So he probably could take out wee monsters with his fucking deed <laughs> boss situations. <laughs> he wasn't bad at And, and I, I do like the fact that he's an Arsenal fan, so I give him a, I give him a, a half pass. Um, True professional. I give him a pass because one time he, it was like during one of these fucking tedious news stories about um, why don't the Scots support us type thing, and Beckham get asked about it, and he was like, because they support Scotland and that. Like, why do you care who they support? Like, the traditional rivals type thing. Like, it kind of admonished the interviewer for asking the question. And after that, I was kind of <laughs> like, like... It's like the simple wisdom aye. of David Beckham there. <laughs> Good on him. Aye, the, kid on the, the kid on Scotland's like, ah, oh, because, man, they're not that big of rivals. And then the game at Wembley sells out in, like, 30 seconds. So I've not got a whole lot more say about this um, the game is kind of like, I guess of its time um, it had a kind of collect-a-thon element like, like most of these things for a bit of extra longevity got to get kind of all the coins and treasure in the level there's also kind of like special boss with letters on them spell it Beckham um, and you get kind of them in each world if you get all of them you end up with an extra life like an extra heart container there is a wee bit of kind of like additional kind of fit bath theming when you get to the end of the level the number of lives you've lost it'll be like fills the number of times you've replayed the level be like appearances and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's made by Scottish people that they know a little bit about fit, but they try to, like, slight, oh, slightly make it about a, a fucking what it's actually trying to portray, not just any other platformer. I've got two questions, just quickly. Obviously, number one is how is that jump? And number two would be, what are the, what are the boss fights like in this? Do you get a boss fight at the end of, like, a, a, a zone? So the jump when you've got the ball is is fine. It's a bit short, but it's it's the nature of it is that you can jump higher when you've not got the ball. So you see, might need to chip it over something and then you jump, uh, kind of catch it. When you don't have the ball, I would say like you know how that thing where you like hold the button. If you if you hold the button longer, you jump higher. Basically, aye. It feels like when you've not got the ball, you hold it and you kind of keep going up and up just a bit too long. It doesn't feel quite natural it's a float jump. how high you jump. It's a wee tiny bit floaty, and that kind of freaked me out a wee bit, but it's not the kind of biggest concern in the world, and most of the time you've ah. got the ball anyway. Um, in terms cool. of boss fights, I only completed the first world of this game, which is a quarter of the way through, and I fought uh, a giant penguin. And the penguin is... He's kind of balanced on this perch, and you've basically got to hit the ball off of either the left or right of the perch enough times while dodging fireballs kind of knocks him off the thing. See, I like, I like a wee puzzle boss fight, to be fair. I had a bit of the kind of Yoshi's Island to it, although not quite as advanced, but I did appreciate that. It was not just kind of like, fuck the ball off it 16 times, then he's dead. If all baddies were named after, like, Fipper Hangs, I hope the penguin was called Nutmeg, because uh, good luck Nutmeg and a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you mentioned the Yoshi's Island thing. That's what popped into my head, man, when I was looking at wee bits of this game. Um, it's... 
It does look a bit like Yoshi's Island. It's got the kind of big lines in that from the characters and stuff. I think it looks like um, Super Bonk for or Bonk for the Turbo Graphics slash PC Engine. <laughs> go go, David Bonk. <laughs> oh. Any final thoughts to to take us away on this? I was pleasantly surprised with it. I'm probably doing it at a service by playing it on a big fuck off telly, but as a weekend a mobile experience, if you had like some sort of handheld um, or the original GBA, then it's it's worth a, worth a wee bash. There's far worse platformers out there. So yeah, it was um it was pretty decent. It's kind of a shame that the company ended up like making Carol Vorderman's adventure and shit like that because they they are pretty talented in making these kind of wee GBA games, but they did say like. Nintendo just kind of wasn't interested. Like they were, they were doing their first party thing. They had some kind of you know big name studios that were putting games out for them. But like we indie developers at them, they kind of could get two shits about them. So yeah, that's why they kind of took the route that they did. But oh, it was decent. There we go. Well, I'll I'll, I'll look forward to Carol Vorderman's mind aerobics <laughs> on a future Neddy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be what I'm what I'm doing in my eighties till it's Steve off dementia. That'd be an interesting episode, wouldn't it? Let's set top box games. Oft. Beehive Bedlam. That's mate. bottom of the barrel, big time. Next, we are doing. What's a game I've picked? Although with a bit of a clash with Johnny, but I had staked my claim to this like last year, and it is O'Leary Manager 2000, based on former Leeds United manager David O'Leary. Obviously, a, a towering giant across the football landscape. Would you agree, Johnny? Aye, he's a, a, a bit of an, an idiot, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. He had one really good spell as a manager, really, uh, with Leeds. I think he was manager of Villa as well, with varying degrees of success. And then he's just been put into an anonymity, which he should have been um, for that whole time. But yeah, uh, but he's also a Celtic fan, I believe. So His brother played for Celtic or something. Aye, but I think he is himself also a Celtic fan or some way Celtic affiliated or leaning, um, given the O'Leary second name. He somehow like slipped in banana peels and failed his way into getting Leeds into like a Champions League semi-final. This is probably the basis on which he aye. got his own licensed Game Boy Color game. Well, aye, he was he was kind of like he was a manager during like a kind of golden. Age of of Leeds youth players that were coming through. Um, I think they bought a few players, but they had a lot of like really, really talented like, players um, that just ended up in his squad at the same time. Um, he had that one run through Champions League, and then all those players just get bought up by by all the the big boys. Um, and then after that, that's when his actual managerial acumen got got tested and <laughs> found, <laughs> found wanting. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So try to replace those players just didn't work. It's some cracking players like Harry Kew, Lee Boyer, fucking Rio Ferdinand, and of course the world class David Hopkins were all at his disposal. Indeed. <laughs> I think Alan Smith was in there as well. Um, was it Alan Smith? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it was Alan Smith. He was just a big lumpy guy that ended up playing for Man United and was also a really good player that, um, again, after Leeds, just didn't, didn't quite live up to the hype. Well, for a licensed game based around a former Leeds United manager, and kind of an idiot, um, this is surprisingly fucking class. If this was part of my repertoire when I was a wee guy, it would have been like, long car journey favourite, easy. Basically, your kind of engine for this is effectively like a pretty tight conversion 
a sense of soccer, but put onto a Game Boy Color. You've got that kind of tap-down view of the pitch. Uh, there's a slight element of ball control. It's not exactly stuck to your feet, and you've got the all-important aftertouch, um, which obviously is a big deal in Sensei. So if you're taking like a goal kick or a free kick or a penalty or something, um, after you've hit the ball, holding in the button depending on how hard you want it to go, you could hold in a direction and sort of curve the ball around. Always found something quite satisfying about that. They use similar wee sprites to Sensei Soccer as well, which, as you can imagine, are pretty conducive to the kind of Game Boy screen. But there's some nice like animation touches on there as well. Like you've got wee shadows on the players and things like that. The stadiums look all right. It's nice and colourful. Although manager is in the name of this game, the management aspects of it are pretty shallow. On career mode, it basically amounts to buying and selling players in a transfer market that stays perpetually open and staying on top of injuries, like juggling your squad about there. Johnny, you were playing like a different game mode where you also had to put players through training, uh, or I, I don't know if it was just a different version of the game or something like that. I didn't seem to have to do this. Yeah, so we played the same game, but played two completely different versions of it in that I picked the manager mode just by default because it was a David Deliri manager mode you've picked career mode um, and we've went off in two different tangents, it all looks the same um, so everything you've, you've explained there is the same but in the manager mode you don't play as the, as the team, um, you're just watching that kind of sensei soccer view with these kind of like pre-recorded clips of chances and goals and red cards or whatever and to be honest it was actually pretty good it was like like the old football manager top down view but better Aye. like and that you could you could see the, the, the it was more kind of 3d element at the at kind of 45 degree angle so i played it in that way and in the manager mode you could select training for individual players so you could i mean it wasn't outrageously good but you could you could kind of try and improve people's stats here and there by tactically picking whether that person needed about a defensive training, about a shooting, about a passing, Aye. about a fitness, if they were always getting injured. So you could do that and you could do team training as well. But yeah, it was also just like a really good commuting time killer. Or if you're on a meeting at work, um, hopefully my bosses don't listen to us, which I'm sure they don't. <laughs> But like if you're on a very boring meeting at work, you could kind of be half engaged in the game and half engaged in the, the meeting at work and nobody wouldn't be none the wiser. So it, it kind of works in that, in that <laughs> level with the manager mode. I think I find your, kind of, your fit by manager games and that quite intimidating just because of the sheer depth of them. But I think like if you've only got kind of very limited options for managing your teams, then that may be a bit more of a speed above, a better introduction to these kind of games. Aye. These um, sense of soccer style games, right? Now this might just be like a optical illusion for myself. See when you're playing like a two player, right? Um, or if you've got to shoot up away, does it feel better than shooting back away towards the well, camera? Well, and this me? one's a wee bit better for it, but I know what you're talking about, and it's purely a day where so sometimes on these tap down fit by games when you're shooting down. Or sh- when you're shooting down the park or down the way or whatever you want to call it, you can't actually see what's ahead of you. You can't see who you're I passing it to. It. For some reason, the camera angle when it's when it's up uh, just feels more natural. I-, I didn't really find this too bad with O'Leary. I did um, tend to score more when I was like shooting into my own half or like, up the way. I know you kind of had a wee 
not even a critique here, but you were saying about how it was like a never-ending transfer window. What year was this out? Was it 2000? Aye. Aye, the transfer window, I don't think, started till after that. Oh, really? I think it was like, t- I think it was like 2002 or 2003 or something that the transfer window started properly. So, aye. So I think it probably was actually a wee bit more realistic than, than maybe even you thought. There. Aye, aye. Did Figo not go for Barcelona every Real Madrid like halfway through the season? And the fucking Barcelona fans were outraging and started throwing pig seeds at them. Pig seeds on a park. <laughs> but I, I, I was surprised at how good the actual FIPA game in this feels to play. Again, it's it's much more on your kind of arcade side of things. If you remember last year and my wee rant about table FIPA and how that kind of carried on through this trackball game into these tap-down FIPA games... Um, all that shit kind of scans for this as well. Fast-paced, it's fun to play. I found it hard to put down. One thing I quite liked about this was the ball itself feels ever so slightly oversized. The ball is quite big in relation to the size of the players, which for a Game Boy screen kind of makes sense. It makes it easier to judge whether you're going to get the ball when you're tackling a player. So you're less likely to get fouled, you know, you can judge whether you're going to make a slide tackle or not to, to win a challenge. There's loads of wee touches like that that I just quite enjoyed about this. Plus it's funny to think of them playing FIPA with just a big massive human-sized ball. <laughs> if it was real life. Kicking medicine balls about. <laughs> Which is how David O'Leary used to train his players, allegedly. <laughs> I would say if there's a criticism of GOAT of the game in terms of this FIPA mode, I found it a bit too easy. I wouldn't count how shallow the kind of management and career mode is as a negative, as it's a handheld game. It's good for kind of short commuting bus, as Johnny says. Hans up, I did play this quite a lot during work as well. If my gaffer listens to this podcast, I would be fucking flabbergasted. I'm pretty sure I'm covered there. Kid-friendly as well, do you know what I mean? But aye, too easy. I won the Bundesliga 2. I played the St. Pauli, by the way, uh, on my first season and then the next season when I was in the Bundesliga I won like the UEFA Cup as well and went like invincible the game did not have Celtic due to play as uh, you couldn't play as Celtic rather they had no Scottish league in it although they had like first and second divisions for a couple of countries but no tap division for Scotland quite poor this brings me on to something else which was during the second season I get really into the transfer market part of the game I don't know if this is like a a Beckham thing right or if this is just the days before ultra strict licensing because all the teams had the correct players but you only get their surname you didn't get first names so you would find yourself flicking through the transfer screens I, I, I checked it after every game I played just because you'd be going, oh, fuck, remember that guy? He played for them in, like, 2000 or whatever. This led to me obsessively trying to collect every Celtic player that appeared in the game, including ex-players at the time or people who were yet to sign for them. So it kind of became Pokemon for me, in a way. Like, I just I turned it into Pokemon, I think. <laughs> I've got a shiny Pierre Van Hoydong. Well, <laughs> as, I, as I said, well... That sounded, that sounded like a euphemism somehow. <laughs> it actually works for SPL stickers as well. You took me back to the playground there when you said that. So I'm taking it, given that you are a St Pauli, a good German team, 
did you sign Andy Tom, my hero? Do you know, Andy Tom did not appear on the transfer window once. I checked, you can go into stats and check uh, different teams. I believe at that time he was playing at Hertha, which I think in this game we're just called Berlin 1, presumably Union being Berlin 2. Andy Tom was one of the ones I didn't manage to get, much to my regret. I was saying if I saw Reggie Blinker, I was using my master ball on him. Did manage to get Reggie. Cost me 11 million quid. I had to sell my full reserves. Just, that just was fun, even more man. back in those days. <laughs> just thinking, 11 million quid for Reggie. It's an absolute waste of 11 million quid. There's people going hungry. There's kids. Don't know where their next meal is coming from. Just, oh... Aye, wee man, I know this was going to be your breakthrough season and you've been a great servant to a club and came through a youth team and all that, but Gaffer wants Reggie, so Aye. <laughs> got to go. Up Better phones shutting in hearts and telling them they're not coming anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first player that I saw on the transfer window and realised that I could do this was none other than a Mr Neil Francis Lennon, who I think appeared as a Leicester City player. And it said Lennon, and I was like, I googled it in that to double check, and I was like, no way, I could fucking sign Neil Lennon. Did you not get him to score about 25 goals that season or something? He became, briefly, <laughs> the top goal scorer in the Bundesliga 2, which will also kind of put into doubt the accuracy of this game in terms of real-life footballers. You don't really need to think about positioning that much in this game like if the speed stat is high enough for some reason Lennon had quite good stats compared to like second division German players so you could just like play him as a striker or like skin their entire team and run up and fucking score into a top corner on that I'm thinking he'd have been playing at Leicester or something at that point when he was quite it was quite a big name for Leicester. It was Leicester. I Leicester. I signed him for because I saw Lennon Leicester, and I was like, ah, "That's fucking that's new." But I got hundreds of select players in the end. I get Lubo, uh, Stefan Mahe, Petrov, uh, Mark Viduka. He was one that kept appearing on the transfer window, but he was dear, so I had to wait and build up enough cash reserves to get him. Was he was he still like Croatia Zagreb? Or was he was again? He was quite a big deal. At Zagreb was an up and comer. Uh, Viduka I signed him for Celtic just before we started playing actually I gave myself a wee refresher and I played a couple of games knew that I'm qualified for the Champions League in that because I won the UEFA Cup so I was I was playing it there and then I was like ah, I wonder if I can go on and get myself some new uh, Celtic Pokemon uh, and I signed Useful Haran just before uh, we started recording so there we go still try to catch him off but yeah I thought if, if I can't play as Selic, I'm I'm just going to make Selic. Although I do like St. Pauli as well. No, this is a recommendation, obviously. I would go as far as to call it a hidden gem. I would say you're probably not going to be convert that well to a, a mobile, probably. Unless you're playing the, the manager mode that Johnny talked about, actually. You don't really need the kinetic controls as much if you're just picking options. That mode is probably also harder than what you were playing as well. You can't just figure out the system and and beat it. You're obviously it's I guess a random number generator based on your team's strength and the stats and the position, the formations you pick. So uh, I think I, I I also went St. Pauli. You'll be surprised to know, <laughs> but I, I think I finished third in my first season uh, behind the two big teams, which was Bochum and. Borussia Mönchengladbach, who were like the runaway favourites for the league, um, and they lost one game each off season, and both of them were to me. And uh, unfortunately, I just drew too many games and lost a couple of wee random ones. Um, 
and they they just they just won every other game. Did Bochum have a really good team in like fucking the year two thousand? Because they were routinely winning games when I was playing at like eight nothing. Aye, I, th- I think they they got up to the Bundesliga um, for a, a couple of seasons around about that time. I don't think they ever got as high as Europe. But I think there was one season that they won the they won the far away. Like they were they were like up top of the league for a, a good chunk of it, and then kind of fell away towards the end and, and didn't didn't win anything. See, they should have put David O'Leary in charge, man. He'd have taken them to a Champions That's League it. semi easy. Oh, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Right, I'm going to close off here by asking you. Would you like to hear how O'Leary Manager 2000 carries within it the spirit of revolutionary Catalonia? I mean, we're, we're going to hear it anyway, <laughs> aren't we? And, uh, and you've heard it, but let's just pretend that you've not heard this spiel before. In the late 30s, revolutionary Catalonia was an autonomous region ran under a system of governance called anarcho-syndicalism. Basically, there was no de facto government. Everything was sort of controlled by workers' councils. It was heavily influenced by the work of anarcho-communist writer Peter Kropotkin, and it was not to last. At the end of the Spanish Civil War in December 1938, Catalonia was finally conquered by the fascists. Their autonomy was abolished, the official status of their language was removed, and their newspapers and books were burned. And yet, that language lives on today and is widely spoken in Catalonia. The Catalonian language lasted longer than the fascists who tried to destroy it. And it also exists as a language option in O'Leary Manager 2000, making this game part of a rare minority of games that offer Catalan as a language option. Lovely. There you go. (laughs) Within that language which defied fascism is the spirit of revolutionary Catalonia, and thus it lives on in O'Leary Manager 2000 as well. Do you know, Hank... All the Catalonian speakers must be raging every time they get a football game and they're like, oh, what language am I going to use? Oh, fuck Spanish, fuck's sake. <laughs> well, there is a reason why Catalonian exists in this, uh, and it's a pretty simple one. It's because, like that, uh, well, unfortunately, actually, I think it was a Ryan Giggs game as well in the 90s, where they had the same game, but they released it slightly different different with a different license depending on what region it was brought in so in the uk and ireland this was released as o'leary manager 2000 whereas in spain it was known as barcelona 2000 and it was a barcelona game hence catalonian language option there we go so that brings us on to johnny what was the name of your first game again ronaldo v football aye we'll go away johnny so can you tell us a bit about why you picked Ronaldo v Football and what your playing experience of it was like. Is that like Ronaldo against football? <laughs> like Bart versus <laughs> the Space Mutants? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I certainly can. But first, I just want to say, because we've uh, had to redo this whole podcast, I have missed out on the best bit from the first iteration of this is that I brought uh, the guys uh, a present. Uh, along uh, for any of the regular listeners you might remember the last FIPA special I brought the guys uh, a big bottle of Sprite because they all love big Sprites and this time Rune I brought them a tub of Anisol because they all love their wee piles <laughs> <laughs> aye that, that was could remedy for your wee piles that was uh, unfortunately lost to time because it was probably a best bit <laughs> no, that's, that's shocking. Actually, the best bit is uh, 
later on after the uh, the podcast had been done and and Mick McCormick had to go to a family function <laughs> doing in Lars and was was very very drunk and we sent him to it with a, a tub of anisol in his pocket. <laughs> um, so that, I woke up the next day without the anisol, so I've got no idea. Somebody's granddad took that. Somebody's took a leg into it. Having an awkward conversation as we speak. But uh, yes, back to business. So my first game was Ronaldo v Football, which uh, I was playing it for the Game Boy Color, but it was also on the PS1. And that, for me, was a, an absolute schoolboy error because the PS1 version, I remember when it was out, I remember the the uh, cover for it. I might have had it or like had a demo or something. I, I do remember it vaguely. And I thought maybe the Game Boy Color version will be interesting. I wanted to do David O'Leary on the Game Boy Color, so I thought I'll stick with Game Boy Color and I'll get something else. And uh, this this uh, stuck it to me because I like Big Fat Ronaldo, which I guess is a debate for another day whether we call him Fat Ronaldo or the Ronaldo. Um, He's Ur Ronaldo. Yes, he is, he is but What's the part of the column? They call him like R9 and that, don't they, on like Fitba Twitter? Aye. He was the first to have like that. Um, you can't say my name in a game without giving me money type of thing. So he was always like number nine, or he was always like um, Rolando. I think in ISS he was called Alio. Uh, he had all these mad iterations. It was always a wee bald guy. It was class and fast as fuck. Could finish for like fucking get after skinning the whole team. Aye. I mean, he, he was he was amazing, but um, this game this game was not. I'm just going to say, was it best player in the world when we were children, probably? Well, by far, a- absolutely. He, he changed the game. He, he literally like, took that kind of number nine striker role, or created that kind of number nine striker role where he was coming back to the halfway line and picking the ball up and then driving at defenders. Whereas before that. Strikers, it was a four-four-two system. You had two strikers. It was your big lumps up up top that didn't really do a whole lot of running. The ball got lumped into them, and they smashed it in for inside the box, or he did it in for inside the box. There was no going back out and then taking shots for outside and and like as a, as just part of your your, your play. Um, and that's what Ronaldo done, and he he kind of created that position and that that way of playing. It brought an element of dance and fit, but didn't it? Like that yoga barito style. I used to dance with the ball, they hang with his feet and all that. The trick he used to do, you're sitting watching them, thinking, is that really necessary? But it, it was that fast that it used to just fucking confuse the life of defenders, man. What a player. He, he was a player that had very few scruples or just absolute no fucks given, and that he played for, you mentioned Figo moving for Barcelona to Real Madrid and getting pig seeds flung at him. Well, Ronaldo played for Barcelona, Real Madrid. AC Milan and Inter and <laughs> might be the only player to just go I don't even care about rivalries I'll just play whoever pays me the most I'm going there brave man he was also a bit of a unit so I don't think MD was going to be messing with him for the game itself again I think he's just took the money and sold some of his licence away uh, for, for cash because um, he, he does he does enjoy a bit of the, the green stuff the gameplay on the, the, the Game Boy Color one was, was pretty poor. It was definitely just style over substance. The, the, it, it looks all right. The view you've got is that kind of 45 degree angle, kind of 3D-ish kind of graphics. But the, the actual gameplay is 
truly horrendous. <laughs> um, so you'd have like a, so a kind of Italia 90 type view on it, or? No, but a bit more advanced than that, Aye. maybe. It looks, it looks a bit nicer than that, but Italia 90 is a great game. This is far later and uh, is not. <laughs> so I, what, one of the kind of hot takes that I kind of took on it is that it was made by a company called Palm Development, who then became 2K. I don't know your 2K sports games, but it seems like they maybe weren't the ones that were meant to be doing it at the start, because the the game was behind schedule and 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 seemingly rushed. And there's billboards in the game, or in the version that I've got, um, which refers to bit managers was owned by a guy called Alberto Jose Gonzalez. Now, Alberto Jose Gonzalez is still credited on like the game as being like the composer for the music, but Infograms and Palm Development or 2K are the, the game makers. Um, even though there's all these weird references to this bit managers at the start that, that this guy did own. So I, I suspect that maybe he was meant to be doing it at the start and and wasn't he hitting the targets that he was meant of for the game to come out at the same time as maybe the PS1? Kind of outsourced. Yeah, so I think they've ended up at the last minute. So the, the reason that I'm saying that is that somebody discovered in code for another game released by Bit Managers in 2001, which was uh, Tintin. It was Tintin in Tibet. Aye. Um, so there was actually, like, somebody was looking in the code for that because geeks, you know, they, they, they wanted to look in a code for Tintin in Tibet, and they found there was loads of references to the Ronaldo V football, so there was a lot of code that was just kind of chopped and pulled over um, but they didn't end up making the game, so I, I, I suspect that they've just ended up flinging this out as, as quick as possible to try and make a quick dime, and they would have, because Ronaldo was as you say, the best player in the world at the time, and he was a, an absolute icon, especially in South America where he was pretty much regarded as like a, a, a Deity or a prophet, he was just everywhere he went, there was just people all around him. I had a signed photo of Ronaldo in his Brazil top in my childhood bedroom. I remember I could have seen him every morning after I woke up and every every night after I went to bed. So, big part of my life. How did you manage to get that considering you're not really that into it? But and also saying that you just waking up and seeing Ronaldo and going to bed where Ronaldo is a bit creepy <laughs> <laughs> it was my brother um, he's, a, he's a big football fan I don't actually remember how he managed to get it but some sort of, some sort of wheelings and dealings it go worth a few bob I'll take a wee look do you know it. given the the fucking gaming scene in Brazil and how cunts are still playing like the master system and that like, or like how FIFA 22 is coming out in like the Mega Driver I would bet you that you can probably find this game at market stalls in Brazil to this day oh no doubt and and like I say the PS1 version is actually pretty decent like it's a it's a it's a good game and that was made by 2K um, the whole way through so I think they, they, they decided right 2K you can do the PS1 one that's the one that's going to make us all the money at this time um, but we'll still have a wee Game Boy Color one because people are still playing a Game Boy Color. But we'll, we'll get this wee company that we that we're pals with, um, and then they've made an asset, and it's 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 not been good at all. So I reckon that's um, what's happened there. What makes it so unplayable? Why is it such an unpleasant play? So I played this game quite a bit, like a, a fair amount of games, um, because I like to actually review the games that I'm coming on here to look at and try and get as much info as possible I played it probably 
20 or 30 games of this. I mean, it's not the kind of thing, it's not got like, well, it does have cups in league, but they're terrible. There's, there's nothing really to it. It's just kind of like moving up a tree and beating one team after another team after another team in, uh, in sequential format. Um, but then there's another mode called Ronaldo Cups where you play the game, but then regardless of the outcome, you play penalties at the end for a bonus point. I scored one goal the entire 20 games that I played on it. Probably conceded about 100. And I played exclusively this Ronaldo Cups just to try and get a bit better at it because it didn't matter if you lost, you still played out your four games or three or four games that you had to play in it. In all the games, I started off going Celtic because, again, second credit to him for this podcast, Reggie Blinker was in the Celtic team. (laughs) Yeah. So... uh, so it's uh, there was a and Larson was in it as well. There was that was a good Celtic team that was on there and that was nostalgic. So I went them, but they weren't highly rated. So I thought maybe that's why I'm getting hammered in all these games. And then I was playing the penalty shoots at the end of every game. I never scored a single penalty. And this isn't because my my my, my shots were off target. The keeper saved every single penalty, which is infuriating. No matter what way I went, no matter what system I tried to do with it. It was just unbeatable. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go the best team in the game. I'm going to go Brazil. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to try and score some goals. I scored one goal. And I scored one penalty. In about 10 games with Brazil. And do you know who it was that scored those goals? Ronaldo. No, it was Romario. (laughs) (laughs) The other one. So, um, I it was it was just a, it was just really frustrating, really frustratingly hard to the end way like like I say it looked alright for a Game Boy Color Fitba game which is a low bar, but again it was like the ball just kind of stuck to that circle run about you. There was no kind of ball physics. There wasn't really any. There was a tackling button, but it just it didn't work. Your your players moved about as if they were on a foosball pole. So if like if I moved to the right with one player, all the players in the defence would all move that same direction and, and backwards. So there was there was no kind of individuality and it got halfway frustrating very, very quickly. So it is unfortunately not a recommendation for me. The only good thing that I would say on it, um is it's one of the only games I can remember uh that has Golden goal, is it? Um, oh, right, Golden goal from was, was that a two thousand and two World Cup Korea Japan? There was there was Korea Japan. I remember this well. The the much maligned. There was Golden. I goal. liked it. It was Korea Japan, and then I think maybe one of the Euros had it as well. I think there was two competitions that had Golden goal, and there was only four Golden goal scorers. Italy versus France at the ninety eight World Cup. That guy Jorkaev, gold one. And uh, extra time. It was a golden goal. There's a lot of mad silver goal as well yeah. at one point. So the, I, in fact, it was two World Cups. So it was Korea and Japan, and then whatever the one before that was. Um, but I, you're right. Jorkaev got one of them. I can't remember what the other two are, but there's one player. In fact, one of them was one of the Korean players, and then there's one player that scored one that also played for Celtic at one point. He played for Senegal. Anybody get any any ideas? Ooh. Senegalese Celtic players. Senegalese, um, definitely not juice anyway. Signing for what for one one season, and it would have been around about this era, like early two thousands. Aye. <sighs> um, 
There you go, you sell it, poor. I can only think of Kamara, but that was like well later. Nope, you're completely right. It's Henri Kamara. He never played for Celtic at the time. It's just that uh, he was one of the four golden goal people, so Henri Kamara. Did he, did he sign for Celtic later? I think so, aye. aye oh. I think he was a wee bit later. Aye, here we go. Um, but, uh, aye, here you go. Here's your, your Celtic connection to the golden goal. But yeah, that that was an option in this game. Um is that you could get golden goal so that was that was the, the only half credit I'm going to give this game um, and the fact that uh, Big Lewis Nazario Ronaldo um, De Lima was, was the, the main man who is also awesome but other than that um, thumbs down for uh, Ronaldo v Football unfortunately Football did not win <laughs> well I mean <laughs> but the fucking but the sounds of things you played this longer than it deserved anyway so fair play to you for being a trooper did Mick ever tell you how Ronaldo v Football through its connection to the sport of foosball carries with it the spirit of revolutionary Catalonia? Um, he, he didn't. Um, and I'm going to tell you exactly why it didn't. It's because it didn't. <laughs> Colm, did you have an angle there? No. I'll tell you because Ronaldo was class and revolutionary Catalonia was class. Fair enough. And at this moment, just play the Catalonian national anthem for <laughs> a few balls. <laughs> <laughs> And to quote Andy Mack for Fitba Special One, I like it. That's what matters at the end of the day. Andy, why don't you tell us why you picked Libero Grande and how you got on with playing it? Right. <clears throat> I might invoke the wee pie analogy here. Because when this came out... Well, you've got the... Mick, uh, maybe that's where the anus all went. Andy's got it. <laughs> <laughs> he needs it more than empty. <laughs> That's an allergy, no allergy. But anyways, uh, I remember when everybody first got the PlayStation, everybody had like their feather knew how Frank didn't uh, drink in uh, a black cat. I mentioned this all the time that chip PlayStations and it. What I'm going to say about this game is I remember um, started popping up in school, everybody was talking about this Fitbit game. It was a weird football game. It was a football game with a, a, a different language. It was like, what a little handy or something. But like, something I couldn't quite um, say, and I don't think anybody else really knew how to say either. Turns out it was called Libero Grande, which means something in another language. And what it is, is it's a <laughs> top, game, quality, a game. top quality research yeah. as always. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, you know, Johnny really <laughs> likes to put ears in. You you better watch your place in a Steam MacArthur. Wait a second. You could have you could have literally said anything else. Everybody knows Grande means big. You could have you could have just went means big big liberation. Big freedom. But <laughs> right. it, it basically is a fit a game where you go one player out a team. And the whole match is the perspective of you going one player. So it's like a third person, which at the time was something that was totally unheard of. Obviously now we've got the FIFA Pro Clubs, 
where you and all your pals can pick a team and go, you're virtual pro, and you can create your own team and have a full football game. But this is back in like the mid-90s when... And they all football games are third person. Right. I mean third person is in like, Tomb Raider, or like, just behind somebody, like... Oh, it's a bit, the camera's behind the back. Like kind of over, over the shoulder kind of perspective. Aye. Over the shoulder. Over the shoulder. To be honest with you, uh, football games at the time were sort of coming to that point where you had two choices. You had the ISS games and you had the FIFA games where FIFA games were all about like, tapping triangle and getting for A to B, trying to get a good finish. Um, and ISS games were more kind of methodical and that they were trying to recreate a game of football. This game was sort of like the latter whereby the ball was independent, there was a game of football going on around you, but you only interacted with the game, um, depending on where you put your one wee guy. So you could, um, in theory, stand at the sidelines and just watch the game go on, or you could go and get involved um, and play a role where you're a centre midfielder, a tank midfielder, whatever, winger, striker. How you picked where you were going to play and who you were going to play as was you had a wee character selection screen, so in this game, you don't pick... The team you're going, so you'll not pick Brazil, you'll not pick France, whatever. Um, you'll pick um, a player that kind of resembles a real-life player. So I think you've got Johnny Don Zingdang or something like that. Obviously a guy with a baldy patch, plays in centre-mid. Um, you might have Rolando, as we were talking before. Um, striker, uh, maxed out fucking shooting skills and speed and acceleration, um, etc. Et I seem to remember there was a, a German um, like, player you mentioned last time. <laughs> German player, I mentioned that. Oh, <laughs> what was that again? I can't even remember. Oh. I, I can't remember what fucking bizarre name we came up with either. This but I follow you, Barty something. But I follow you, Hooks. But I follow you, Hooks. Aye, the famous uh, centre off that played alongside Betty Hooks <laughs> in the '86 World Cup. <laughs> so once you've picked your player, you then assume your position in the associated national team um, and you play a game um, where you can play like, in the World Cup you can play just like a, an exhibition game whatever you want but when you start the game you notice right away that there's a few things that are kind of different for your normal football game experience more like your passing is what's known as manual passing and this is something that sort of has been revisited recently in games like um, Pez or uh, eFootball and, and FIFA where you don't just pass to a player, you don't aim and pass, you actually have to direct the ball a bit too, so you've got an independent like, movement in the ball, as if you're controlling what part of the fit you've hit the ball with when you're passing. And this must be one of the earliest games that do that, because I noticed that you're passing, if you're going to get involved in a play, your passing's got to be spot on, like if you want to do a through ball, you've got to make sure you hit it directly in uh, the right general area, you can then make a run so that the other player can then put it on to you. When I came and described this game last week, I missed a lot of this. It wasn't until I played it a bit over the last couple of days that I realised that there's a lot of depth to um, the nuts and bolts of the game. I suppose if you're only playing as one player, it kind of... You can get away with having all that extra depth. You don't have to worry about every player. Like if, it's, if you're playing as a whole team, some of that stuff might be abstracted away, but it would be far too much kind of right. mental effort for it to be that detailed. Whereas if you're just one guy, you can focus on the sort of minutia. If I remember rightly, you really didn't like this before. Like, so now that you've played that a wee bit more and you've kind of got into the mincing tatties of it, do you, do you actually like the game now? Aye. 
Aye, so Namco have actually tried to do something a bit different here. And, you know, I thought you couldn't control the AI in any way. I thought AI were completely independent and just played a game of football. And it was incidental where you got involved or no, you didn't have to get involved. Not like that at all. You've got a line of sight. So there's a wee radar map and it shows you your line of sight. Depending on where your line of sight um, is facing, it'll affect the behaviour of your players. So if you're looking towards like your winger, your winger will realise that you're looking at him, and then he'll maybe make a wee run. So you, you, when you receive a ball, you can then chip it through to him. Or if you're looking for a pass, you can change your line of sight, a guy's get a ball, and then flick your line of sight forward, and then he will then pass it forward to you. It's, it's, it's pretty fucking good, to be honest, That's man. That's quite cool. That's quite a kind of elegant also, way of doing it. Aye, and also that the ball is independent. Um, I can't stress how much fucking appreciated that is. There's a game of football going around you. It's not like um, sprites that the boss sticks to, or three D models that the boss sticks Did to. Did you find yourself was it was it most fun to play as a striker or as taking a midfield role? Tina, but who who did you play as? Who did you kind of favour? I went Zidane Aye. or Zinedong Zingdong, whatever his name is. <laughs> and um, Mouse the tongue. And uh, basically, Zidane can do anything. So Zidane can play centre defensive mid. Zidane can play attacking mid. Fuck me, man. Zidane could probably play in goal if it came here. He's, he's that good. Did so. you bought anybody? Oh, I wish I did, man. I wish there was a button for that. There's wee cups to this game too that are great. Like, it's got a sort of... Because it's not like a... Because it's got a kind of... What, what, what language is liberal grande? What language are we talking here? Spanish? Spanish. Spanish, right? Um, so Ca- Catalonian. Aye. <laughs> it means big free. Big free, right? Big and free. So I'm guessing that it's it's maybe not Spanish, Portuguese or something, maybe because there's like a wee samba aspect to this game. Like the music's all that like samba, dun 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 dun. Well, can I carry on? So when you score, this wee samba tune comes on, and it's like the same tune every time. But it's just it's dead victorious and, and lovely, and I, I really liked it. I also enjoyed like um, when you finish off a play. So like, if you really if you really get involved in a play a beautiful through ball, and maybe the AI just surprisingly makes a perfect chip that he didn't even ask for, he just asked for no pass, and then you finish with a well-timed fucking Toby bang. It's a great, it's a great feeling. It's, it's, I, I quite, I, I really enjoyed it this time I played it, um, having this kind of different way to play a football game. And I remember back when everybody was kind of singing its praises, mostly because it was different, um, I can see why it's a bit of a cult, a cult classic and even if you want to buy this game now if you wanted to go in and buy it let's just say fucking even that Ronaldo v soccer game you'd probably pay about 20 pence but if you wanted to buy Libro Grande because it quirks and it's different and it's got a bit of a cult following it probably costs you about 15-20 quid I, w- I was surprised um, when we recorded last time that you sort of slated it because I, I had this one in my head as like a hidden gem. I thought this was like well thought of. I was pretty drunk last time. I'm getting there. <laughs> and I had me, I've played it now, I get it, I get what it's trying to do. You actually met a lot more involved in the game than I thought you were. I thought, like, oh, there's this game growing, and it doesn't even matter if I get involved or not, because the game's either going to get win or lose. It's not like that. You've got a lot more control over the AI than you think. In fact, you could probably direct the AI quite a bit. Um, just by understanding like how the line of sight thing works. I'm going to bust out another cliche here, right? It sounds to me like you've got to use your loaf a wee bit playing this game. You know, 
think about your positioning and things like that and how you're going to direct this AI, you know, if you're going to run for a pass a wee bit more. Playing all Fitba games, sometimes you can sometimes play them as just as if every player's a striker, do you know what I mean? So would you call this the thinking man's Fitba game? He's thinking about it. <laughs> Deep pause. Is the way watching the Hearts game? <laughs> oh, how are they getting on? Not on each half time. You hear me? You disappeared for f- fucking ages there. Alright, uh, but part... The question was, uh, would you call this the thinking man's football game? Oh, aye, I suppose you could. Um, maybe the eccentric man's football game or the connoisseur man's football game. <laughs> and that um, it's probably a bit of an acquired taste. Kind of like when you eat Brussels sprouts for the first time, you're probably like, ah, this is a bit arcadey. But then when you actually get to grips with the, the nuance of how a Brussels sprouts met a taste, you might say, mm, there's a bit of simulation in this. You know, Um I don't know if that kind of counts as an analogy. I genuinely uh, love the fact that you just said when you eat Brussels sprouts for the first time, you go, oh, this is a bit arcadey. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever said that. <laughs> it's a hell of a mixed metaphor. <laughs> um, I think the sentiment is kind of lost in that analogy somewhere. But um, I, I, I really enjoyed it and I thought that Namco had done a really good um, job of creating Fitban in, in this game day. I'd quite like to play like an 11 side with this engine to see if it's as good as it looks because I'll, a lot of focus is less on actual Fitban and more like, like the gameplay is you can call for a pass so if you call for a pass all the teammates will look at you and make, try to get you a ball as quick as possible. For instance, your teammate, your lead striker could be through on goal ready for a shot but if you call for a pass he'll stop and he'll pass it back to you so you've got loads of control but I, I really liked it man something different obviously FIFA have took, got their own take on it now I reckon, I reckon this one is probably a bit I don't know maybe a bit more kind of in depth for the FIFA one what it was trying to do it was obviously the first time it sounds ahead of its time anyway I was obviously an outlier at the time and it was something that um, something innovative Nobody had ever tried before and it took, must have took balls, man, because games only cheap to make and stuff. And uh, Namco done something different. And to be honest with you, man, this game, um, for being an old game, it still stands up and it's still quite an interesting game to play. So, aye, I gave it a bad rep last time, but Libero Grande, um, oh aye, definitely um, a recommendation for me. Could even end up on the fucking plate, man, if it plays its cards right. Ah, you can't um, put your own games on the Christmas plate. Ah, uh, right enough, aye, right. But, um, alright, um, but if that, if that was near stipulation, it would probably be on the plate. Um, maybe, possibly, at this stage. It would have been on the plate as the Brussels sprouts as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, we're going to need so, to... The, the arcade, the arcade Brussels sprouts. I've only to change the aye. name of that award now. Brussels sprouts are too arcade. <laughs> <laughs> so it's... Oh, well, Brussels sprouts are actually good now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to put myself in an Amco through my mind here, so I think thinking Namco Tekken, isn't it? Tekken. I think Namco made Tekken. Um, but so at the time, Aye. they were a very kind of arcade-oriented um, team, I'd imagine. So to come out with this kind of simulation of Fitba, with a zoned-in kind of uh, laser focus on playing as one player, fucking fair play to Namco, man. You know, it, this was probably an arcade port. 
It's an arcade game, aye. You're talking Namco, assuming it was developed by them and no just published by them. But I, I would have thought this would be arcade first, maybe? Late 90s? Yeah, no, I'll do. I'll wrap up with this wee comparison then, right? It looks like if these two are... If my first game, Virtua Striker, and this are arcade games, then it seems that like it's for two different schools of thought. Virtua Striker 2 seems to be like all bells and whistles and just trying to attract punters with the kind of um, weak work of having a fit by arcade game. Whereas this game seems to be a bit kind of... Come and play us. This. this is something different. Come on, you'll enjoy us. Have a look at us. You might not like it, but come and have a wee go. And I much prefer the second one, to be honest. Right, fair play. Strong recommendation there, then. Now, that brings us on to McCormick. Why did you pick, I believe it's called Hooligans Storm Over Europe? And how did you get on with it? How did you find it as a playing experience? It's a continuing my kind of choice of weird out there football games. I've gone for Hooligan Storm Over Europe, which is a, a real-time strategy game where you play as a bunch of unruly football hooligans. I basically picked this because I remember seeing it in a, in game um, back in the kind of I guess the kind of twilight years of like PC gaming come PC games coming in boxes rather than just Steam, and I think this was quite a kind of budget. Sort of looking tight with the time because because of that because it was only worth a couple of bob I always just thought this is probably not going to be much crack but it always kind of intrigued me and I know that um, just the rest of you guys have got a fondness for um, f- films based on football hooligans or at least the kind of weird cultural moment where there was a fucking hundreds of these films based on football hooligans. Football uh, so I thought it might be a the nay <laughs> so that nay special would be complete without a mention of a uh, bit of hooliganism. So this game. It came out in 2002, um, shortly after like Grand Theft Auto 3, around that about the time where there was a sh- kind of surefire way of getting some free publicity for your game is to add some controversial elements like fucking ultra-violence, fucking sexual content, shit like that. Um, it's around about the same time as your Postal, Carmageddon, that kind of thing. And I think they were trying to kind of jump on, on this bandwagon. There'd been a few kind of news stories around the time about riots and football hooliganism and stuff. And the, guy, the developers of this game thought it might be fun to make a, a game of that. It was a, a really big seller um, in the Netherlands and Belgium. Um, it, it was actually a Dutch developer that created it. Um, but outside of that, whether due to the, the controversy or just due to it not being that good, <laughs> it kind of floundered a bit. Um, so I think this was the team's first and last game. They couldn't really recoup the um, their, their money for that one. I was surprised to learn that this predated Fitba Factory. I assumed that this was sort of riding the crest of the wave of that cultural moment you were talking about where every fucking two-bit famous, infamous Fitba casual had their own paperback out. There was all these shitey Green Street 2 movies straight to DVD and that. I would have put this slap bang in the middle of that rather than like predating it. Won't say Green Street 2. I and it's it's kinda weird. Like yeah, like, I thought this would be kinda riding after the success of your Fitba factories and that, but you know, maybe that was a kind of cultural moment more in the sort of Anglosphere. Whereas like this game is kinda Dutch and was maybe like kinda part of a different cultural conversation but it's maybe a bit of a shame because I think if it did if it did come out around about that time where you could like make the fucking world's cheapest gangster film and call it something about hooligans and then you'd make a fortune in the DVD market like I think this game probably would have had to marry an audience then maybe it was a bit kind of ahead of its time aye 
I wonder when the Football Factory book, like the novel, came out, um, and if that was popular in the Netherlands or anything, and if somebody's tried to steal the march on it with this game, and and kind of just jumped in at the right time. Um, or probably I, not the right time. Probably a wee bit too early for it to become like a classic. So the novel was late nineties, I'm sure, but I don't know exactly when. But say ninety eight, ninety nine, probably, and then I think the movie was two thousand and three. Because this came out in what was it like two thousand and one, two thousand two. Like I said, just just before Football Factor came out. By I think Football Factor was the book was quite a big success in in a few places. Like it got translated into different languages and that. So uh, it's quite possible that that was inspiration for it. I guess maybe if this was a, a year or two later after Football Factory and the, how popular that was, maybe it would have been something that a lot more people would have heard though. I probably would have cleaned up. What this game is is a a real time strategy game um, in the in the vein of something like I guess StarCraft or whatever. So and you're controlling like a a group of football hooligans um, of various different kind of levels from like your kind of pro hooligans to just your your fans that have turned up on the day and get get swept up in it. Your scarfies. Scarfers. Scarfers, man. <laughs> I call you say scarfy. I say wait, I say scarfy. You say scarfer. No, I, right. <laughs> Scarfy's quite adorable sounding. F- full disclosure. Scarfers. I gave myself brain damage by reading the book by the Dundee Utility Top Boy and the fucking Hibs Top Boy and the Selic one. They derisively call ordinary fans scarfers in, I guess, the kind of Scottish hooligan lingo. I'm going to write my own hooligan book and it's going to be um, about a modern casual, but I'm going to call it Scarf Ace. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could write that about the most famous modern casual of all. It is, in fact, and I did get this confirmed because it was an old urban myth, the guitar player for the band Texas... I believe his name is Tony McGovern. I'd heard uh, a rumour for an old guy at the pub that the guitar player for Texas used to go to Morton games and scrap cunts all the time. And then I was out drinking with a friend one time and we got chatting to somebody who was in Texas and I asked him about this and he said it was absolutely true. The guy's a legend, but he was <laughs> a fucking bam and did used to scrap cunts at Morton games. I'd, I'd, I like to think that he took Charlene Spiteri for the odd game <laughs> just, um, and got her involved. <laughs> not exactly like fucking... Run fans with the best of them. It's not, not exactly <laughs> like fucking... He's in Motorhead or something like that or something mental. It's Texas. But well... Not exactly like <laughs> is it? It's quite, quite a pedestrian-sounding band for a nutcase to be in. But a local pride here. Yeah, Maybe Texas that's what the song Black Eyed Boy was about. It's <laughs> <As> possible. <laughs> The storyline of this game follows a, a group of weirdly kind of international um, football hooligans. Um, it's part of a, a firm, and they are supporting a kind of unnamed club team during their European run. So they're going to stadiums um, around Europe and causing trouble there. There's a level set in England, there's a level set in Holland, uh, one in France, etc. You're just kind of going to the various matches, and there's different objectives in each level. The casuals, like, it's it's a bit weird. There's a weird kind of mix of accents when you hear them. There's an English character, there's one that's got a Dutch accent. There is a Scottish guy, a, a Glaswegian guy, I'm pretty certain. <laughs> um, character character called Sniffer, um, who appears, who appears oh, in the cutscenes. 
who I presume is just like one of the developers' pals they've got off the streets, and he he, he talks about, "Hey, we we're fucking, oh, we're fucking battering all these cunts." <laughs> so that is great. As sniffer, is it is it because he bumps on other gear, or is it just because being Scottish, he's always get a call? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think probably the former, judging by his voice acting performance, anyway. And there's a, a, a kind of weird mention of like the, the, the kind of socio-economic aspect here where these um, these fellas used to play kind of amateur football but their their pitch was bulldozed to make way for a, a factory, a chemical factory or something and they've been toughed out in their arse and now they're hooligans which is kind of the opposite of how it usually works usually like it's like, like worse economic conditions that make folk turn to violence and hooliganism not like a, a brand new job opportunity in your town um, yeah, that was that was a bit odd. So how this game works is you start off with a, a small group of hooligans, your kind of professionals, your um, your named characters, and maybe a, a few of the kind of general units, the kind of specialist units, and you um, can take those characters, you can put them in, in fights, but you'll probably lose because you're like outnumbered. But you can basically smash up shops and businesses and loot them um, and get money. And then you can take that money and you can take it into the pub and you can use that money to recruit mere generals or you can buy a round of pints. And when you buy a round of pints, you get joined by the aforementioned scarfers. Um, these these guys, just fans of your team, get steaming, leave the pub. And then if you use a special command on them, you sing a wee song, do a wee chant, and they join your team. Now, um, what chant would this be? <laughs> so the chant... <laughs> And the, you hear various variations of this chant, but it's always the same chant as "Wayo, wayo, wayo, wayo." Basically, this chant, right? That's all you hear playing this game. That is the entire soundtrack. That was fucking this beautiful, game. man. Sorry, and it's not like different that styles, different folks singing it, different voices, different volumes, different levels of aggression. That is the the ambiance of this game. I mean, presumably we had. The ultimate one when we were all pished sitting in a park in Guruk and we did a big loud one. If one of your commandos sings a song, then they fucking galvanise. All together now. The police will be here in five. Aye, this game is pretty much where it all went downhill when we've done the first one. Literally. Quite literally. Walker's not that game is funny. Yeah, I might be able to kind of interject some of the cuts that you could hear as like over the sound of the wind. I'm speaking at like half my usual rate because I've had like eight cans of Stella and Dane, like fucking loud football chants at the top of my voice. I like this. I like this in terms of the theme of the game because most kind of real-time strategy games there's a kind of economic element like your Age of Empires or something you're like mining resources and you're building barracks and getting troops that way whereas in this one the way you get resources is just fucking causing chaos and buying people pints and then um, I'm amassing a big fucking mob of nutcases um, so I quite I quite liked how that kind of like ties in with the, the just general theme of it so your mining resources if you like is attacking shops to extract yep. money in order to buy drinking drugs, which have different properties depending on how you use them. What I was wondering, a big kind of component of... Again, I don't know if this is an Anglosphere thing or if it applied to the Dutch as well, is that Fitba Casuals was all about having, like, the best clays. Like, did was there any... Would you get stat bonuses for wearing, like, 
Stone Island jackets or fucking Sergio <laughs> Tashini tracksuits or fucking whatever. Yeah, sadly no. I mean, that would have been quite cool. And I'm, I'm going to, like, maybe at the end of this, kind of lay out a vision of like, what I would have liked to have seen in the game because it was lacking in a few areas. You can, you can tool out your generals, I guess, um, and your leaders with weaponry. One has its own kind of we- uh, weapon, whether it's like broken bottle or like a bite chain or um, some of the, the name characters can even carry guns with fucking limited ammo and just fucking <laughs> like shoot a polis, which it seems like a, like a way too much an escalation for a fucking Fitbit riot. It doesn't happen in the UK. That kind of comes later in the game um, in kind of in later levels. That's another way of spending your money rather than just getting mere punters is like um, tooling your guys out so you've got a bit of an advantage over the over the other side. Um, so you're, you're kind of fighting either the polis or other fans. Usually it is other fans that you're fighting and the polis only intervene if they like catch you robbing a shop or if there's a fight between like two big groups of fans, the polis might move in to break it up. And the objectives are kind of... It's, it's quite, quite, quite good how it kind of varies up the objectives. Like um, It's not always just like kill all the, the enemy or inca- incapacity all the enemies. Like The first one, first level of the game is... There's loads of fans of the other film outside the stadium and you're simply trying to get through them and get into the stadium, get enough of your guys in the stadium to win it. And that one, my tactics in that were incredibly cowardly and no fucking self-respecting hooligan would ever shown any respect to me ever again if they did this in real life. But what I basically did was send a couple of my guys up to the other firm and then that triggers an intervention by the riot police and the riot police show up. Um, start kicking lumps with everyone in the vicinity. I then fucked off um, with a couple of guys and waited till the dust had settled um, and then just kind of sauntered into the stadium after the, the police had done my work for me. I felt incredibly cowardly doing that, but I couldn't win. I couldn't win any other way. Whatever so. works. Mick, do you get today a Grand Theft Auto London and blow up the Rangers team bus in this game? <laughs> Sadly, you do not, but the second level of the game is a team bus escort mission. The goal was actually to defend the team bus because the other firm are trying to, to bat fuck out of it and, and destroy it. So you've got to like clear away roadblocks and just kind of accompany the team bus. And and then at the very end, when when the um the players get out of the, the team bus, it's like the wee graphics of them, they're all wearing pure three-piece suits and there's like good looking lassies with them and that. <laughs> it's quite quite a good touch. The strategy of this game, there's like three three different types of, of units as I've discussed. You've got your your kind of your main leader guys, you've got your generals, which are specialist units with specialist powers, and then you've got the scarfers who you, you can't actually control. You can just sort of influence them. The, the problem I had with the game really was that, like, I didn't know what I was supposed to be to be doing, like, how, what the correct way of playing the game was. Like, was I meant to just overwhelm the enemy with numbers? Like, just get as many of the fucking, like, low-level units as possible? Was I meant to be using like the special abilities um of the of the generals, which I barely even knew that I could use. Like whether it's like um you get ravers that can fucking play music and distract the enemies, get them to go one place, you can guys that can like can steal motors and stuff like that. Or like was was I trying to like tool everyone out with like the best equipment and the best weapons so they got a kind of numerical advantage or um over over the others like it was kind of it was, it was tough to know like what the game expected of me like if it was like a big mass or just like a fucking like special fucking crack commando squad the game doesn't really make it very obvious as to like what, where your emphasis should be there was a lot of like really deep like simulation like every single character has got like levels of like drunkenness and fear and like how 
drugged up they are and that, but because there's like so many of them and the different equipment, like because there's so many of them, you can't really see just overall how your squad is compared to the other squad, like who's going to win in this encounter. Like I'd, I'd like just a bit, a bit more kind of detail so that I could like know what I was doing a bit more. How far did you take your firm? Like did you did you play to the European Cup final or whatever the fucking last level is or, or what? I got to a level, it was like a jailbreak kind of level in England. Turn up at like a port and then it turns out that the fans that got there on the ferry before you have got the nick um, and you've got to like lead a team. Like a fucking commandos mission, you've got to lead a team in and use their special powers and that and bust out the folk for, for the jail. But I couldn't really figure out the, the special abilities, stealing cars and all that stuff. It was all a bit too micromanagement for me. So I kind of gave up at that point. What I would have liked to seen is like if they get rid of that complexity a wee bit and just made it maybe made it more about your your kind of hero characters, like maybe add a bit of an RPG element where you could, you know, get new skills for the guys or like get new clobber, maybe give some stat bonuses, <laughs> that kind of pattern, and then just have them like your main guys that have got their main skills, and then also like your kind of crowd control element where you try to gear up the. The scarfers and sort of use them as cannon fodder and that. Like if it kind of abstracted some of that stuff away and you didn't there wasn't like pure all these overwhelming details and that, then it might have been a bit more enjoyable. I kind of did appreciate what they were trying to do, but yeah, it just felt a bit too chaotic for me to get like much of a handle on it. So yeah, overall, I mean not not a great recommendation. It's not a great strategy game. There's parts of this game that I've done better in like a fucking StarCraft or a Warcraft 3 or Dawn of War or something like that. The football hooligan theme was pretty was pretty interesting, and it had a lot of, a lot of character, a lot of kind of funny wee funny wee bits, a fucking obligatory like two bit Cockney actor doing the narration and the these tutorials and stuff like that. It's like, oh, you slag! Like press the left mouse button to let your troops shit like that. And it, it ran the added bonus of having you not actually having to play football and the football <laughs> yeah. special again. So. I know, for that I'm, I'm eternally grateful I, 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 I think next year we're just going to have to give you one like just give you this as football or something <laughs> <laughs> Aye, the most kind of middle of the road football game possible The gauntlet has been thrown down Next year challenge McCormick play a next, a, an actual football game <laughs> You need to do a full campaign on <laughs> FIFA 98 so. But I can only close this out by simply saying Way-o, 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 way-o. <laughs> Right, that brings us on to myself and my second game. I don't know, I think we all kind of got the vibe of that we were going to take the Fitbit special to strange new places, which I think I've certainly achieved here by playing a lesbian detective visual novel set around a fictional Manchester Fitbit team. I mean, this is even... Even stranger and weirder new places than mine. I mean, we, we've obviously heard this whole spiel before, but I'm looking forward to hearing it again because uh, it was it was very entertaining. I'm looking forward to hearing this for the first time because I'd like I was on a different planet by this point. So I think I'll start off by asking: Can any of you remember for the last time I explained the difference ah, between correct. Yahweh and Yuri? I don't remember for last time, but I do actually know this. <laughs> it's guy on guy and girl on girl. Basically, yes. Game male content is. Jake Gordon has just been pelted with a coin by the Zurich fans. Gay Gordon content is um, 
Good. I thought you said. I thought you said Gay Gordons. He deserves it for being an adulterer. Game all you've got, Zurich fans. Fuck them jambos. <laughs> yes, as McCormick says, he is correct. Yahweh depicts a homoerotic romance between men. Yuri depicts a homoerotic romance between women. This is a subgenre of Japanese manga or comic books. So. You, are, you, are you coming in, Johnny? Did you want to add something about last time as well? I think you got cut off. No, I, I, I was just going to say, is that what the, the tune was saying in McCormick's previous game? Was it, Yahweh, Yahweh, <laughs> Yahweh? <laughs> <laughs> is there a bit of homoerotic hooliganism going on in, in the previous? I mean, there's, there's always something about homoerotic about it, isn't there? What are men spending a lot of time together? I mean, those those movies, particularly, you know, the ones about, like, uh, Oh, this is a warrior spirit. You know, this is this is just what men do. This is how you know you're a male. They give it's like Sparta. <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you know? I wish they had the buzz to show Danny Dyer pumping his best friend in <laughs> the factory, just because they were so fired up for getting to fight Millwall. Offside is a football murder mystery game. Uh, well, it's a lesbian football murder mystery visual novel. Our protagonist is D.I. Linda Broadmarsh. She is the daughter of a fake legendary goalkeeper called Alex Broadmarsh, who played for the fictional side of the Manchester Wanderers. She has to investigate the suspicious death of Wanderers forward Diego Gonzalez, who is found dead in the away team showers the day before a derby. So you're starting off by saying, why was he in the away team showers? Why was he not in the home team showers before training? Blah, blah, blah. If you have never played a visual novel before, we've covered them on the podcast before, you're doing a lot of reading, and then during certain intervals, breaks, you might choose where to go next. You know, do I want to take the stairs, or do I want to go to the room to the left? Or what your character might be saying during an interaction with another character. This is very much gameplay light. The gameplay involved is, as I say, basically just reading and having minor interactions with avatars of anime women. The other gameplay element in this is a wee bit more bizarre, and they make it strangely cerebral. It also comes with the inclusion of a political backstory. Right, so D.I. Yes. <laughs> Broadmarsh had a huge falling out with her goalkeeper da when she joined the polis as they battered her granda so badly during the minor strike that he went blind in one eye. So when D.I. Broadmarsh is investigating the Manchester Wanderers Stadium, she starts having all these horrible flashbacks about her da saying, you know, how could you join those bastards or whatever? And to refocus and defeat her mental trauma, she plays a goalkeeping minigame in her head where you have to score <laughs> penalty kicks against a goalkeeper by, by dragging the mouse. Um, success... Oh, sorry, Andy. It plays like... I'm sure that there was a penalty kick game on miniclip that was just this. It might have even had the same graphics. Playforyourclub.com was it a, you had to hit the space bar at the right time oh wasn't it no, no space bar you just drag the mouse in the direction um, that you want the ball to go and how hard you, you drag the mouse as well 
will determine how hard you're hitting the shot. Do, do the boys say things like regret and that on them? No. Or do they have like, the fa- faces of your childhood sort of <laughs> memories on them? Unfortunately, it's not like... Um, do you ever remember that, that mini-game in Final Fantasy X before you go and do the big Blitzball tournament? And Tidus has a moment very much like this on a boat where he's doing his Blitzball training, but you have to like tap Aye. buttons and in his head he's dad saying, you can't do it. I'm the best. Only I can <laughs> ah, do this shot. Um, I, I could have, I could have done with that, to be honest. But nah, no, nothing like that. So crucially, during the penalty kick mini game, if you score three goals out of five, then you get access to a couple of extra clues. Which, to be honest, you're probably going to need to successfully figure out this mystery. So this is basically it. You'll chat to a cute anime woman. Occasionally, you'll play the penalty kick minigame. The conversational responses don't have any bearing on your investigation. They are instead used for a kind of dating sim element because at the end of the story, you will end up with one of the characters. You know, like it might be the Deed Striker's widow or I think there's a, a woman... That <laughs> Professional ethics <laughs> at the window there. There's, there's a, a kit woman... And then there's like a another polis that you can end up with. So there's a few that you well, it was also cheating on her, but they they just kinda kept the marriage going for show. Right. She was like a trophy wife. But she was also secretly a lesbian, you can figure out in the course of your investigation. I was wondering how they managed to like squeeze these kind of female love interests into a game which is about the death of a male footballer in a very male-dominated industry. Every character, uh, other than one barman who you don't really interact with that much, every character is a woman. So Manchester Wanderers have a female chairwoman. Your boss at the polis is a woman. Your partner's a woman. The kit man is a woman. <laughs> you know, I'm using male words for them, but I every character basically is just a woman. You might get very accurate to the North England. You, you might get a reference to it, like, oh, a chairwoman. That's quite unusual. But for the most part, don't think about it. This is lesbian anime world we're dealing with. <laughs> so, so I, I, I would as the like the main point in it is it to get a bird to end it, or is it to actually solve the mystery? Because if it's just to get a bird, they might as well have just called it Leisure Center Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for what Mike's saying, the murder, the, the, the murder basically resolves itself, it seems, without much player input. Well, you... At the end of the story, if you like, depending on whether or not you've found all the clues or not, if you've flirted with this woman or that woman, the chief at the police station will ask you who done it and why did they do it. So you'll get a list of the characters that you've interviewed. So as I was saying, the chairwoman, Diego Gonzalez's wife, Diego Gonzalez's mistress, the young physio, and then you'll have to pick what their motive was. Financial, jealousy, revenge. During the course of your playthrough, you might have dug this up or you might have fallen for a red heron or whatever. As Johnny was saying, this does not necessarily have to be the goal of your game. I believe even if you fail the murder mystery, the story resolves itself. Other police correctly catch the killer and then you might get a bird at the end anyway. But 
the reason I was playing it was to be a true detective. So during my first playthrough, when I accidentally played through the game without the penalty kick mini game on, because I selected a mode called True Detective Mode, which doesn't give you the extra clues, so it's meant to just be harder. I fell for a, a red herring involving the mafia, so I, I got the killer wrong. Do you play as Matthew McConaughey in that? In that mode. I mean, I did because I was smoking PCP the entire time <laughs> uh, and <laughs> talking to the anime woman for real. But en- enough about my personal life. Um, yes, so when I got the murder wrong, I just reset, started the story for the beginning, made sure I had goalkeeper mode enabled, and then I was able to correctly suss out the mystery. I found Diego Gonzalez's killer, and I found the motive. And then I also went for a few different playthroughs to see what different birds you could get at the end. And I was actually pleasantly surprised to find out that the game isn't actually pornographic. When you get together with one of the women at the end, there's suggestive text, you know, it'll say like, oh, that, you know, they're going to go to bed together, maybe a wee bit of filth in the text box, but you don't have to look at any cartoon porn, which is good because all the anime lasses kind of look like they're 13 year old. If you're into that, you're probably a bit of a beast. I am judging you, listener, if that's you. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> this is like one version of the game that you've got. There must be a a full version out there. Mm. I mean, you would think because it's marketed as, you know, a mucky visual novel almost, but we are a fit by twist. But it is more a detective game than a yowie porn game, if you like. Have to resolve your story some other way after you've completed finishing the game. The team that made it have actually done a wee bit of research to try and make it seem authentic. Uh, the main character refers to her boss as Gaffer. There's some throwaway lines like, oh, my mum's a scouser, so we always rooted for Liverpool Wanderers instead of Manchester Wanderers. They have to make every team fake in it for some reason. There's also a long, drawn-out scene where you take uh, the junior detective out for chip butties and you get a kind of American Psycho-esque deconstruction of what a chip butty is. Chip booties. Alright, our kids, we're gonna go out for a booty. <laughs> but aye, that's that's offside in a nutshell. Do you know what it is a recommendation for me if you like detective games and you think it sounds fucking quirky and interesting? Because on Steam it's about fifty pence. And I'm not gonna reveal who the killer was because I would say, listener, go out and fucking solve the case of Diego Gonzalez all for yourself. Quite a ironic name that for that game, offside, considering some of the themes, man. You know, it's quite apt. I think <laughs> I think they were just looking for a generic FIPA word that wasn't already taken on Steam. In fact, I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure that's the case. <laughs> they could have called it penalty kick, I suppose, but do you have any questions? Questions. <laughs> oh, not really. Um I my mind's kinda blown by all that. Um I did like the idea of you know, oh yeah, sweet innocent soul. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of like a escapism aspects. You just got my thought he goes for penalty kicks, man. That's pretty pretty cool, man. To be honest, I is it called offside because of the kind of sexist joke about women not understanding it? Uh, quite possibly, you might be onto something there. Meta, meta. I'll throw in that my favourite uh, anime woman to to go with in the game was actually Diego Gonzalez's widow, just because of how fucking cheeky it was. The guy was barely on the ground, and we went to, like, Gran Canaria <laughs> together um, and had a sex holiday. 
And also, if you go with one of the other women, make up with your da, who was estranged. That kind of felt more like the true ending. But I preferred it when they all goalie stuck to his guns on the A-cab thing. So there you go. <laughs> Some man of uh, principles. Right. No, that brings us on to our final game of this bumper FIPA special too. Johnny, why did you pick Behold the Kickmen? And do you want to tell us a wee bit about how your playthrough went? I picked Behold the Kickmen because I think I drank the same coolie as you guys and wanted to pick something <laughs> that wasn't a normal FIPA game and just something a bit weird and out there. So, um, as I said, I like to do a wee bit of research before I come onto this podcast and kind of know what I'm talking about. And uh, I looked through loads of games that, that I could have potentially picked. Uh, and this is the one that I settled on. Probably should have been one for McCormick in that it's a FIPA game made by two guys that absolutely hate FIPA um, <laughs> and just thought that they would, they would make a FIPA game. Uh, and I, that that's the, the, the wee bit that intrigued me enough to download it and play it probably would have liked it as well because I quite like their games that I've played like all their other games apart for this one I will I'll, I'll go on to that in a wee second I mean originally the other game that I was I was maybe going to pick was uh, one called Cock Soccer um, <laughs> and it was mainly just because of the pun so it would have been completely the, the other side of the coin for offside um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no I went with Behold the Kickmen so as, as McCormick's saying it, it, it's made by well, Zombie Cow, I think they were size 5 games maybe when this came out. Um, originally, sorry, they were size 5 games and then they, they became Zombie Cow and it's Ben and Dan is the, the guys that create it. So Ben and Dan have had a, a few really popular games, kind of point and clicky ones. The the one of note was their debut game, which was uh, Ben there, Dan that, which is uh, the second best opening title for anything other than Fats and Small's original album, now Fats Why Small Music. Um, <laughs> I quite like their other game which is based on Time Travel, which is called Time Gentlemen Please. Uh, that, that's the one I played, I. Time Gentlemen Please is the sequel to yeah. Ben There Done That. I don't know which of the, I actually bought both of those games after playing this one. Even though it's completely different, I just I like the sound of them. Um, I th- don't know which of the two, but it might be Ben there, Dan, that, where it's the initial plot of the game is they want to make a TV aerial so they can watch a Magnum PI marathon. <laughs> I think that's the first one, actually, then they get transported to another dimension. And or I think, aye, I think they end up time travelling as a result of this and just die. But they, they, are, they are two guys that... Um, so the reason that I, I've, I've got kind of interested in their stuff as well is they're guys that love point-and-click adventure games, which I definitely love, and I know that you guys are big fans of the the, the old point-and-clicks as well, uh, where Ben refers to Dan as the the glottis to his money. Um, So a good good Grim Fandango reference there, which which I like. Um, And another wee thing on on them as game developers before I get into the game is they also once made a game for Channel 4 called Privates, which I have been searching for and have managed to find somewhere. I just need to download it and play it. But it was a a game for Channel 4 and it was about sex education. So you were just a a group of wee guys that had wee condom hats on (laughs) and you were going about the inside of somebody's body shooting STIs, just seeing like... (laughs) Chlamydia and that, and like uh, that was what you were attacking. You were shooting them with wee kind of sperm rays and that. It was, uh, 
It looked amazing. Oh, I don't know how educational that sounds. I mean, I can spot a few scientific inaccuracies just for that description. Are you a scientist? No. Uh, I'm a computer scientist. No, no, you kind of call it just my friend. Well, do you remember the, the film where I believe was it Chris Rock and David Hyde Pierce, Osmosis Jones? Where they were inside Bill Murray's body fighting viruses. There was a Cartoon Network spinner for that. It was called Ozzy and Drix. And that helped me pass standard grade biology. Because something that came up in an episode was on the exam. (laughs) So I wouldn't discount Johnny's sex ed game here. It sounds a bit as educational as some some of the edutainment games we played back in the 90s. One... um, or at least was nominated for a BAFTA. I don't have this in my notes. I just remember reading about it, but I, I, I'm sure it was it was nominated for a BAFTA for a computer game for educational purposes. So it must have had something to it. And then <laughs> actually, because it was quite like I don't know, it was getting a bit of good reviews or good publicity. Xbox actually bought it, and then we're going to release it on Xbox Live, and then it got to their panel of people and it breached Xbox, Xbox Live guidelines um, <laughs> and they pulled it at the last minute but uh, I think Ben and Dad and Dan were probably rubbing their, their horns at a wee payday for Xbox at that point since they were, they were quite small And uh, <laughs> I wonder I wonder what tipped it over the edge for Xbox, was it like the, the fucking final boss fight against Hep B or fucking <laughs> That is a pure loss to the field of sex education right there, the son of the Wayne's that just like are completely unprepared for the world because they didn't get to play that game I mean, when when I come back on for a like a normal episode, an Eddie, if I have to review this and it's actually, I'll play this and it's actually really good. One of you is getting it. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> what STI are we getting? Sorry. Oh, uh, the, all of them. Um, you, know, <laughs> you get one each. You know, I like to get bring gifts. It's, you know, it's most likely going to be a clap. Yeah, that's true. Oh, bet you wish you held on to that Anusol now, Mike. <laughs> He's still got it. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so, behold the kick, men, to get into the the actual game. It's a weird game to to review in that I really like Fitba, and this is made by two guys that made the game based on a Twitter joke that somebody told them that if they really wanted to make money, they should make a Fitba game. And they went, well, fine, we will. But what they done was make a FIPA game that incorporated what they would like the rules of FIPA to be, essentially, and that it had football-esque rules, but with hints of baseball, basketball, American FIPA, a bit of like, volleyball or um, netball and things like that. So there's, there's just like different rules that you get from different sports. Like, it's for one, the pitch is round. That's like just the first thing you see. You know, it's not a, a FIPA pitch. It's got like your yard lines, like American FIPA. You get two goals for a shot for outside the box. Or if it's further back, you get a three pointer. So you've got kind of basketball uh, rules in there as well. So at first, I was just like, this is. Pretty brutal, and also it is just chaos. It's just, it's just loads of you guys running about. It's carnage, um, and at the start, and I think even when we reviewed this the first time, I didn't really like it. Um, so kind of same as what what Andy had with uh, Liberal Grandy, which I'm pretty sure is uh, words in another language. Um, Behold, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, the right. for me took a wee bit of, of extra playing. To, to actually properly appreciate it. Um, 
Now the reason for that kind of is at the start, let's say, it's just chaos. Um, it's very grindy. So you, until you win a game, you can't unlock abilities that you're going to need to be able to beat better teams. If you beat the team that's just above you, you'll go on and you'll play the next team. If you lose, you go back down a, a, a place and you've got to keep playing those same teams until you kind of work your way up the division. So there's like an RPG kind of element to it, unlocking skills and that? I, there's, I mean, there's very few skills but there are there are skills and there are like um you've got to win games and score goals in a certain way so way uh, combos um so passing the ball about and doing different skills or whatever and scoring certain ways to get money which you can then add on to the the abilities that you get so the the skills that you and the abilities that you unlock you'll have them at a very low level, but you can you can upgrade them. Um, so you've just got to keep piling money into it until right. you get to a decent level. This game is pretty annoying. Like, it's really hard to win. Um, there's just a lot of carnage. Your wee guys are so slow. They're just just rubbish. Your goalkeeper or goldkeeper, as they call them in this, um, is atrocious and just anything that goes at them goes in. So until you level up, um, this game's awful <laughs> but once you once you do it is actually pretty rewarding you've got a cool wee story that goes along with it like a plot so there's a story mode about a, a kick man who is uh, trying to solve the mystery of his father's death um, <laughs> while rising up That's the ranks uh, yeah, the, the old tropes um, and dealing with a, a bully um, that's called Brutus uh, he plays for the, the rival team which I think was Brazil United it was the team at the top of the league I didn't get to the end, but I played, as we mentioned earlier, a lot more on this game than it probably deserved because, you know, Steam logs what you've played. At one point, when we done it the last time, it was like I'd played it for like nine and a half hours. I'm probably about double that now, and I'm only like into the... So, like, the second division, there's four divisions, and I've managed to get up to the second division. So I'm still probably another 10 or 12 hours away if you're actually completing this thing, and I don't think I'll go any further. I think I've done as much as I want. But as you, like, work up the league, you get wee bits of more about the mystery and uh, in a kind of absurdist comic booky way um, about how your dad died, and he was, like, a, a famous kickballer as well. So, it was cool. so these guys, as I said, I played one of the, the point and click games. I think it was Time Gentleman, please. Part of their kind of game design, if you like, or it's probably maybe a flavour or an aesthetic thing, is that they're pretty funny. You know, this sounds funny, quirky. It sounds fucking pretty frustrating then that it depends on so much of a time sink on your part, in order for you to, like, access the next wee bit of the story and see the kind of funny wee lines that come along with it. Like, if this took you, like, five hours to complete, maybe, I would be like, yeah, this sounds, like, interesting enough that I'm going to play it. But the fact that it wants so much of your time to work your way up these leagues just sounds daunting. I think they shot for something that they what they thought would be good and quite popular... And to be honest, I think the game has been fairly popular to, to a degree. I mean, it's it's not it's it's not terrible, um, but it's a wee bit of an own goal, and that, like you say, you kind of get through it and get through the the story stuff, which is the best part of the game, without doing the the grind element, which is annoying. But I mean, there are like there are wee funny things like 
during the gameplay and stuff like the depending who you're playing it, it, it kind of generates different uh, billboards and stuff my favourite of which was uh, the weekly mail so it was like an a daily mail type sign and it said the weekly mail because racists still like papers um, so, they, so, so they still they, they, they do have like a charmer that is obviously what they're, they're known, known for and I think that's why people kind of probably still bought into it also, the other weird thing is, um, for a wee weird flipper game that they're trying to get people to buy into, if they're going to make it as grindy as this and you've got to up, get through skills and stuff, there's no two-player. Aye. Oh, that's bad, Gutter. Mm-hmm. Which I think that's just kind of bad form on their part. Um, I don't know why they, they didn't make it a two-player or online or whatever. It's it's not... Uh, I mean, I, as I said the last time, I, I've took a yellow card on this and it's not a retro game. I think it was out in 20. 17 or something like that but it was just for that so so they, they definitely could have made it online multiplayer Aye. or they could have just made it two player if you had two controllers and go old school if they, if they didn't want to uh, spend the time making it online so yeah I think that was a wee bit of a negative but like I say the, the game is cool um, it's it's funny it's got it's wee story mode um, and the gameplay is just chaotic it is honestly it's one of these games that you'll play it for a while and then you'll shut your eyes and you'll still see it like that, the, the old Tetris aye. thing um, where you can just still see the blocks falling the Tetris effect aye aye so so you kind of get a wee bit of this for that so I, I think that that's good does the humour of this game kind of lean on like or fitless stupid and you're stupid for liking it because <laughs> I can imagine that being quite frustrating or does that is that just a small component of it uh, yeah, you you've kind of hit a nail on the head. So I mean, what was it? So the like the the, the league table was called the big boring British spreadsheet. <laughs> when you when when you scored, it said, "Oh, brilliant! You'd done a goal." For full time, it was called like home time and stuff like that. Uh, so that I it was it was kind of like the football equivalent to saying doggo. Aye. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, oh, look at the little doggo. It was, that, it was, it was that. But it was like, oh, look at the gold tender and the goalkeeper, and, and you're like, right, okay, right, I, I get it. Like that was that was funny at the start, but then after a wee while, you, you're just kind of like, right, can we can we do something else now? Um, can I get to the plot bits of the game? Um, and that's <laughs> that's the bits that they were, they were just a wee bit light on. Um, but other than that, it was it was it was decent. I'll give it more of a pass than a Ronaldo v football. That's for sure. Aye. It seems like their humour maybe works a bit better when they're like making jokes about things they love, like Monkey Island, <laughs> rather than things that they don't love, like football. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's why Ben and Dan are more known for time, gentlemen, please, than behold the kick men, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you find yourself getting your head wrapped during this kind of bizarre system then? Like, were you going for three-pointers, Mare, and, you know, playing to their kind of weird rule set or is it purely designed to just be chaos where you're hitting and hoping and it's designed to kind of not be understood there's definitely times in the games where I could have won the games like 10 or 12 nothing by just getting up and doing an easy goal but you would get no money for that so you can't upgrade your squad that way so you've kind of got to play into it where you're going right I need to do 10 or 12 passes and I need to do this skill and I need to do like this week and a jinky run ah so that when you score, you're going to get a couple of thousand dollars or whatever it was. I think it was dollars, so that you could then upgrade your things. Whereas you could win the game and move up to the next level, but you didn't actually get any money for winning the game, and you didn't get any money for scoring a goal if you 
just went up and scored a goal yourself. <laughs> like you, you had to do all the passes and stuff like that um, in between it and weave turns and sidesteps and stuff like that. So unless you were doing that and the, the, the kind of aftertouch stuff, it was pointless. But that made it really hard because it's just chaotic and there's so many wee bodies flying about that you then maybe eke out a 3-2 or something and you get some money. Aye. It sounds like a few strange design choices, anyway. But just a few. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I think that's it. I think it was it was just the, the, the those couple of wee decisions that they've made have uh, kind of ruined what would be a potentially amazing choice and an amazing game to being something that is kind of fun to play for a wee while. But unless you're going to be willing to spend ten hours or whatever, or twelve or fifteen hours on on it, like I was doing. You're not going to get into it. <laughs> so it's a hard one to actually suggest to folk unless they're really, really bored and want to find out why uh, the guy's dad died. I mean, I, I might just look up on YouTube. <laughs> what? I, I've still not done that. So if, if you, once you find out, just let me know. <laughs> okay, that's what I'll do. <laughs> I guess that brings us to the end of Fitbit Special 2. Fitbit Special 3. Right. Well, take 2.5. 2.5. <laughs> 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 yeah, right, there's only one way to end this, man, isn't there? Oh, it's got to be the song. It's got to be the song. It's going to be a nightmare to try and sync up. I'll make it work because Andy's got like a five second lag on his ends. <laughs> <laughs> right, are we going for it? Somebody want to give us a count of three? Three, two, one. Way Jesus that Christ. Was awful. Right, that's gonna need a judicious edit. <laughs> I think we just have Corky's version of it and have him doing it himself. <laughs> I'll record like a, a few different variations of myself, like um that um ten CC song. I go Bohemian Raps if they were See you later. Alright, have a good one. See you after, guys. Bye. <laughs>